Hey guys, new podcast, and you don't even need to tell me I've been killing it on podcasts because I fucking know it. I fucking know it. You got to earn your shit, baby, and I'm earning good podcasts. And this one, ho ho, just as good as the other ones. My wife's here. She wants to share something with you. Uh, you've been doing great on your podcast. I know, right? Lots of good numbers. Do you think we lots could be, of good guests? Do you think we could do better than Tom and Christina if we did our own podcast? Maybe we'll do our version of your mom's house. We'll call it your dad's house, uh, uh, or your dad's man cave. Your dad's man, your mom's man cave. Your mom, mom in the man cave. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Um, I want to. Okay. Uh, go. Sorry, I'm distracted. So, I'm, if you haven't seen them already, we have a new T-shirt. It is a marshmallow bear T-shirt. If anybody's seen this live on stage, it's a pretty great story. If, if for you, which I'm the hero. I have to say, I am the hero of the yep. story. I told her on Comedy Central this is not happening, which is a reminder to everyone. Uh, you will get this a day late, but this is not happening. Re-airs on Comedy Central. So it is back on Comedy Central. It's Ari Shafir storytelling. It is the, one of the coolest shows out there. So check out This Is Not Happening on Comedy Central. I think it is Tuesday nights at 12.30 or Wednesday mornings. Mm. But just find it on Comedy Central. Put it on your DVR and record it. We all love Artie to death. Keep going, babe. So anyway, new marshmallow shirts. You can go to BurtCast.com and uh, click the link there to buy a new shirt. You can buy a machine shirt. We have BurtCast shirts and we have BurtCast mugs. You can buy a signed copy of Life of the Party, uh, which is the book Burt wrote. And it's a pretty darn good book, I must say. Mm-hmm. And we also have... Um, Sign copies of Bert's uh, baseball card. Tops made a baseball card. I'm going to stop selling Bert. them soon because I want to keep them for I want to keep them for me. We got a little bit more. We but we have a lot of them. Okay. So oh, the chickens are coming in the fucking man cave. So go to BertCast.com and uh, buy some merch. I'm very proud of the merch because I did all the merch, right? I made the merch happen. Yes. The if you want to buy merch, know that that money goes directly to Leanne. Yes, it goes directly to Leanne. <laughs> so if you if you appreciate my wife, that's what you do. Let me real quick uh, tell you some tour dates. Obviously, uh, it's been announced, but I will build to it. I am at Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington this weekend, the 25th through the 27th, uh, and then the Sunland Golf and Country Club on the 28th. Uh, I am then at Columbus Funny Bone on the 17th for a call and sick to work show. It is going to be epic. I am not certain if I have a I have a soft verbal commitment right now from uh, AJ Hawk. I did his podcast, the Hawk Cast, and he lives in Columbus, and he said he's going to come out and party with us. Uh, I am then at Long Road Distillery in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, and then I'm adding a week, the 25th, the 26th, and 27th, and then I am taping my hour special for Showtime on April 1st at the Irvine Improv. Get your tickets. It is going to be a party. People are flying in. I just got the word that my buddy Cowhead, a.k.a. Mike Calta, is flying in for the special. So April 1st, Irvine, two shows. Uh, I'm working this hour out right now, and I'm extremely happy with it. And I hope you are, too. And that's it. All right, you ready, babe? Ready. Did you say everything we need to say? I think so. All right. Today's guest, he has uh, one of my favorite podcasts that, that I'm now binge listening to. I literally cannot stop listening to it because it's, he's interviews guys I grew up watching. He is a professional wrestler. He is uh, he is Colt Cabana. Guys, put your hands together for Colt Cabana. This is Yeah, I know, right? 
It's pretty. Uh, it's I, I would never have been able to afford any of this shit. My the people at DIY did it for me. Talking to the mic and just hold it like A B C D one two three. Yeah, perfect. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, is, it, is your setup similar or different? Yeah, I got a Zoom, and you, I don't, I don't wear, I don't have the headphones. Like, I don't use headphones. I don't use headphones because it would. It seems weird to have a hold of mic and have headphones. But like when you do, when I do, when you do someone that has like the, the stand. I even I was do, I did the Sklar's show the other day yesterday. Sklar Brothers, and I, I had to take those things off, man. I had to take those fuckers off. Those, yeah, <laughs> I don't want them. Um, I, listen, I, I understand the idea if I yell into a microphone. Yeah, I get it. I get the concept of of coming out hot. Right. Do you, do you have like a board or anything or just no. the, just the fucking it's, – You know what I did buy and I'll, I'll almost recommend it to you is I got this thing called – there's um, uh, cloud lifters. So if you're just on the Zoom, right? Yeah. It's called a cloud lifter or uh, there's another one that I use. I can't think of the name of it. But basically it's like it's like a preamp. So I'll explain it all to you maybe later. Okay, yeah. But it boosts the level. It's it's basically like a board, but a mini board that you could just that's miniature. Oh, I'm buying it today. Yeah, go look at it when, when you're done. Cloud Lifter. I uh, I I do. I run it through this program, Levelator. Yep, I do the same thing. So what happens is when you take this out, uh, like the line, we don't know the the lines of the. It's like really small. Levelator makes it big, right? Yeah. So the Cloud Lifter helps it make it a little bigger. Because what's happening is there's not there's just uh, these mics are good, but there's just not enough power in that zoom. Is that, that what it is? And that's what that big board is. Is that's all the power oh. <laughs> to really break it down in dumb dumb words? Yeah, that's it, it, well. I, I'm I'm so we were just saying this right before I went in to get some waters, but I'm obsessed with content. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. I'm literally like the ownership of your own content. What's amazing to me. Is the more you learn in this business, the less you realize everyone else knows. Like all these people, I used to put so much vested interest in my manager, like so my agents. Oh, and I remember, you know, I made I made a sh- I made six shorts when I was younger. I invested- just pairs of shorts. Yeah, just <laughs> just sewing it home. <laughs> Just like I'm gonna call these umbros. Yeah. <laughs> they were comfortable. Yeah, I made a show. six of them. Just six of them. I said Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I am naked. <laughs> Good for you, I, man. Yeah, no, and my manager didn't understand why. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, I was. I used to make content, and my manager was like, "What the fuck are you gonna do with this?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's fun." Like in my head, I was like. Why are you discouraging it? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm learning. I'm figuring things out. Like, and and I stopped. I literally gave up. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to spend all this time and doing something, my manager can't monopolize on that at all. Well, what am I doing with my time? I should just work on acting classes. Well, I, I realized very like not very early, but like no. This is all post WWE. Yeah. And like I, for anyone listening, like if they're like, oh fuck a wrestler, like. My my career is basically the same as a stand up comedian. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So it's like very like the parallels will be unbelievable. But I realize that nobody cares more about me than me. I'm the only one. I have the most stock put in me. And even if some people like a manager or an agent, which I really you know I I have like an, a commercial agent in Chicago. So they don't give up. You know, even if they give fifty percent about me. Like there's still a whole more fifty percent more that they don't care about me. Yeah. So like yeah. So, so I mean like 
you're the only one that's going to care about you. I'm the only the one most. that gives a fuck about me. The most. The most. Uh, I, I think there are people probably that in my career right now that care about me. But I also, I also say, I always say this statement. Like people will say something about me, and I go, "I'm with me a lot." <laughs> like I know how good I do on stage and how bad I do on stage. Like you don't like so, someone. Uh, someone said something to me, and I was like, I was like, "Ah." I, I I check my numbers on Twitter a lot more than you do. Right. Like I'm I'm like we were talking about YouTube. I'm obsessed with putting content on YouTube and I and uh I was just editing a f- teaser. I posted a vlog the other day and I edited a teaser to the vlog to put on Facebook to draw people from Facebook over to YouTube oh, to it's see a if, vicious circle is. And it? I, yeah, and it's just like I'm putting a lot of work into this fucking thing that really doesn't have that much payoff like in in making content. Yeah, I I'm the podcast does well. The podcast is is a breadwinner. Like we got our numbers for the year and I, like for money, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, that's just from podcasting." And it's something I would do free. Mm-hmm. But- same thing. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I when they told when Midroll does my, I don't know who, who does it. So Midroll does my advertising. When they like first came to me, it was like, "We can give you this much," and they were like, "I'm sorry." That's what they thought. Like, "Oh, you're probably a big, uh, you know, big wig in the wrestling community, yeah. or whatever." And they were like, "We can give you this much." I was, my jaw hit the ground. I was like, I, "This is a living." that's you know what i'm saying like that's a living and like they're offering to this for doing this thing that i've been doing for free and so i i don't know like the way that i work you know i have such a hustler and and just you know 200 bucks here 200 bucks there that's my whole career so we give everyone if you could like do like i'll do the summary for you and i've heard you do the summary before i think independent wrestler all i've ever wanted to do I traveled the world, but starving artist, to, you know, basically uh, for for basically eight or nine years. Eventually, got signed by WWE. Went there for two years. I was one of the worst WWE wrestlers of all time. Uh, <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> and then I got fired. And so, like, basically, like that's that's it. You now, do you get a contract when you go to WWE? Yeah, but like, it's three. It's a three year contract. They can fire you at any time. Well, and I I made uh, seven hundred fifty dollars a week. So, you know, which that was the developmental deal. So, like, and that's supposed to be the peak of it, you know? And so, yeah. like, I hit the peak of my career. When you get fired from WWE, basically everyone's like, well, you're not going to get any higher than that. I'm done. And so afterwards, I went on this. I started, like, I was a good... I was a good name on the independent scene before I went to WWE. And I was like, I know I still have fans out there. So, I like, I hit it hard. I, I just DIY style. Like, I just started... I was like, I'm never going to allow... And this will hit with the content idea. I'm never going to allow somebody else to fuck me over like that. Like, I put all my eggs in the WWE basket, and then yeah. they fired me. And I was like, oh, like, I got to go. Uh, you know, I went on monster.com and, like, put up my resume. Really? You know, it was, like, it was sad. And so I set up all these little things now to where, okay, if the podcast goes, I can still wrestle and do YouTube and do my comedy shows and do the fringe. Or if the fringe goes, I could do, do, do this. And so now I have so many different eggs and so many different baskets. And, I, and they're all my own eggs in my own basket. We were, t- I was talking to uh, Corolla about that, about having he had just had one radio show and when it went away, he was like, fuck. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, I, how, I have a big nut at the end of every month. Like, and it, that was covering it. Right now, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm podcasting, which I couldn't pay my bills on podcasting, but I, but it's, but I, I, I wouldn't be homeless. I could, if I, trust me, if I lost everything and, and, had to downsize, I bet my podcast would almost get better. Like, people would be like, oh, fuck, Bert's because I'm so honest and vulnerable that pe- I think people, that's what people like. But, um, I got stand-up still. I'll never lose anything because of stand-up. Even if I fucking go off the rails and say something horrible on MSNBC or on TMZ, 
it'll just bring people back to my stand people will be like I still like a stand up mm-hmm. um and then TV, but it, but it's it is diversifying. But if you you know like, and obviously the TV is a big deal for you. But you know if that TV goes, you're not done for. I'm not done for at all. Man. And that's the best. That's I actually the- might make more money. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what a freedom that is in the back of your head. And then that can also go back to. Um, I know you're saying how you're you're you love punk. Punk had this CM Punk had this freedom of like he was like, I can quit WWE right now. And I'll be fine. So many of those wrestlers, if they're fired, they're like, oh, my God, what do I do? He's like, I'm fine. So the way he went against establishment, the way he told everyone to fuck off, and the way he handled himself, that he just was looking out for himself. He just wanted to have a good time for himself, which should escalate into, like, a great life and a great product. But they're so weird over there. You know? No, it's, I, I'll identify it with this way. And I listened – I've listened now twice to the interview you and Punk did that got you guys in trouble. Mm-hmm. But – um what he I, i've been to events where it's reality stars uh, like like t- basic cable television people like theoretically uh the gas monkeys or uh not gas monkeys or like not th- that's not them they're not real like are they real but whatever but like uh i'm thinking right now it's it's a convention of johnny fairplay signing autographs is that what you're talking about identical identical <laughs> identical okay it's stuff like that and you see i uh, you have these surreal moments where you see a grown man, like a grown man my dad's age, you're 55 years old, huh, ponying up to someone a little bigger or someone who's in charge to get a selfie and then sell themselves and be on stage. Mm. And it's really sad. They have no independence. Mm. And you look at that and you're like, I, I remember I was with a friend of mine and he said, what are we, what are we doing here? And I got really pensive. I just had two glasses of wine, immediately pounded them. And I was like... What the fuck am I doing here? And this was where? I, I can't really say. Okay. But but it, this was at one of those big events with reality stars. Okay. And I was there being uh, for Travel Channel. I was representing Travel gotcha. Channel. And I am fully represented. I'm I'm in. But like I was definitely like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing here? And then he went, are we supposed to be shaking hands? Like he just was like, meaning like, what are we doing here? Do we shake hands? Do we take pictures? But I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here in life? Like I am better in my head. I'm better. I'm more artistic. I have more to offer this commu- this world than the fucking guy Who's in the stylish glasses because a stylist told him they look good on TV and he's 55 and he doesn't have any ascertainable talents. But can't you sit there in that moment and go, this is so much fun because I I have self-realization and I (laughs) – My self-realization goes, if you're standing in a pool of crocodiles, you're probably a crocodile. Oh, come (laughs) on. Really? You can't – yes, you are a crocodile, but you're like – the most fun crocodile who doesn't give a shit and yes, like making yes. fun of all the other crocodiles yes. <laughs> and like making the most out of that moment because I, wrestling is weird and stupid. It, it's so – to me, it, like it, a lot of it is just so ridiculous. Yeah. But but I, I love like being in it and I love like sitting in these moments of like y- – yes, like I've sat – I've been – as long as I'm, as long as you're with a friend, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? As long as Don Wildman was the guy's as name. As long as Donnie Dubs was there <laughs> and, and you can like – have that moment together of like I've been in like Owensburg, Borough, Kentucky, and you know you've been in these places yeah. of just like in a in a VFW hall with a hundred people, and you can sit there and you go, my life is, but or you can go like, you know, this is something I'm going to talk about on my podcast, yeah, yeah, back it's, in real life. It, I, I find those moments ground you into a place where you then recognize other things better. I think that I think those moments are I don't know, I don't are know, important. But, but let's go back to like. Wh- was it humbling to go back and do the local circuits? Uh, and when I say local circuits, I'm thinking literally, I'm thinking, I, I, 
because I grew up in wrestling with like Dusty Rhodes, Kerry Von Eric. I saw Ric Flair on a plane yesterday, two days ago. Yesterday, two, two days ago. Ooh. Yeah, he owes a lot of people a lot of money. You should have collected. Really, I would have given you a bounty. Why? What's going on with Ric Flair? Oh, he's screwed. He's just. Ooh, he's, Allegedly. Yeah, he's an alleged <laughs> carny motherfucker. He's just, um, yeah, the, the company I used to work for, Ring of Honor, the owner, Kerry, um, he paid him like all this money up front to do all these shows. And then WWE was like, hey, you want to come back? And Ric Flair was like, yeah. And Kerry's like, you have to still do these shows. He's like, no, I don't. Sue me. I don't have any money. And then just peaced out. And I was like, thousands of dollars Good later. God. And he's done this to so many people, allegedly. He looked, he looked old, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did. I, I've talked about this on another podcast, but I will say it again. He did my trick, allegedly. He did my trick where he was with his chick and it was before takeoff and he ordered a drink for himself and then he ordered one for her and made hers a double and he murdered hers first mm-hmm. and then put it in front of her. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, is that going to be me? Just passed out with sleep apnea on a plane limping? It's, uh, he's, I mean, he's, been in planes his whole life. His whole life. His whole life. You imagine how many miles he has. Imagine imagine those flights to Japan. Like, like I'm sure he did Japan back when you had to fly propellers over there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess. You, I, I do Japan. I did Japan four times this year. Four different tours. This year? Yes. Just this year alone. I've been so at- what do you do when you do that? Do you, do you wrestle or do you host? Do you, you still wrestle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Is, is that what you were doing at Lucha yeah, Vavum? Lucha Vavum, yeah. I thought you were hosting it for no, some no, reason. No, no, no. 17 years now wrestling. So you have no passion of getting out of wrestling. No, I love it. I really? love performing. Really? I love it. Yeah. Because you're, you're such a, a diverse brand mm. in that I think the majority of people know you from your podcast. Yes. And I mean, the majority of people I know, when I said I was wor- working with you, they were like, oh my God, he's fucking awesome. Have you listened to his podcast? And it's such a way, like, you always hear guys trying to get out of the sport and find and, like, become actors or, like, mm. you know, the John Cena's or. But that's why, I, see, that's why I think my podcast is, that's why my podcast is the podcast, is because I'm on, you know, you can take this thing on the road. I'm on the road. I'm in the locker rooms. I tell my stories of still doing it. And, like, while I'm doing it. So, like, there's guys now, like, and this is no knock on any of them, and I, I'm happy for them. You know, Jericho and Stone Cold and Jim Ross, they have very popular wrestling uh, podcasts. Yeah. But they're all retired, and they're all millionaires. Yeah. See, so I'm literally, you know, You're Jericho's still, still on TV it. a little bit. But Jericho's on, I mean, he's flying first class. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah. living the good life. And I'm still, you know, doing the, the hours of driving. And I, I do fly a lot, but it's, you know, still sleeping, you know, sometimes in airports. And still living the shitty life that a 22-year-old startup should have, you know, at 35 years old. Yeah. Still trying to, like, I guess, quote-unquote, make my break. I don't even know what it is. But I'm definitely not a millionaire. I'm definitely not a TV star. It's so funny. I feel like, in a weird way, you have this – I've always thought of your career as this Mark Marin-esque, mm. but it, with the professional wrestling. Well – yeah, and like I hate to keep like I feel like I'm bugging Mark about it because I've done Mark's podcast yeah. and like when I got a lot of popularity, uh, you know, I'd always say like, hey, I'd always make sure to give him credit when I started my show. Like, hey, you know, like obviously I'm very influenced by by Mark with you know the same thing. And, like, oh, we all are. Yeah. I mean, we all are by Mark, by Joe, by Adam, mm-hmm. the guys that started this brand of like of like bringing interesting people into their lives and getting to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. It's fucking. Completely, yeah. So I, re- I, re- I relate a lot to yeah. him and his career, and, I, and like I, I said on his show, I was like, I was like, I was listening to your show when you weren't getting booked, and like whether you want to admit it or not, like I would listen for the dates because I'd want to see you, and you weren't going anywhere. Yeah. And then eight months, ten months, a year later, 
you're booked all over the place. Same with, you know, kind of same with me, like fired by the WWE and like I'd go here and there. And then I started the podcast and all of a sudden like my schedule just picks up like crazy. Really? And it's kind of on the same tra- tra- trajectory. <laughs> so so you get let go from WWE. Yeah. And then you go back in the circuits. So, so you were saying you when you think of smaller circuits, you think of like before. I think of fucking. Before uh, Hulkamania kind of stuff. Uh, I remember uh, WWF. I remember that becoming Saturday morning wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was, we would watch Texas wrestling, like Kerry Von Erich and and uh, and the, just all the Von Erich brothers and gentlemen Chris Adams. I, I remember, I remember distinctly. Who's well, known as one of the biggest pieces of shit? Ever. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I, uh, I, but we would go watch like uh, what was Yahoo Daniels, mm-hmm. Wahoo, McDaniels. Wahoo, Wahoo McDaniels, and uh, Dusty Rhodes because we were Einstein. in Tampa or Yahoo, Yahoo Serious. Yeah. Very different acts. <laughs> um, but we would go watch them live. But watching a professional wrestling match live, in my opinion, is one of the greatest you. thrills you can ever have. It's better. It is so intense. The sound of a body hitting a mat is so. I don't. I wish I would knew. I, that would be a cool TV show to to do the. I, there's got to be a way they do it because it's almost like they have speakers under there, like or like boards clapping together. The acoustic. You want to know the? I mean, right. The acoustics is great. You want to know how a ring is made? Yeah. Yeah. There's a so uh, steel beams. I guess four by four, uh, and then there's a truss underneath, and then there's steel beams going all the way across, maybe sixteen across. Across. So you're landing on steel beams. So steel beams, steel beams, and then on top of that, plywood. Yeah, and then on top of that, a real thin sheet of uh, of mat, and 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 I've done it before where I've wrestled in England before um, on these things called Butlins, the holiday camps. In your travels, you ever heard of Butlins camps? No, it's like ghetto Disney World back in the day when you weren't allowed to leave England. They made their own holiday camps in the United Kingdom. Really, and I was like, you're going on vacation. But it's really just you're going to Bogner Regis where we've set up, uh, <laughs> you know, some people do songs and dance and there's wrestling. And instead of mats, there was just carpet. So they just put a couple layers of carpet. So it's steel beams, thin sheet of plywood, carpet. But that like ring, you know, the it's the steel beams in the wood mm-hmm. shaking together. Each other. It's one of the greatest thrills. I remember. I mean, I, I look back so fondly and then. I remember you'd go on like Friday night was when the shows were, and I remember waking up break, break like break of dawn, waiting for wrestling to come on, and being it'd be like putting my sister in moves, just, <laughs> just like here's the claw, uh, but so it, it hits so many people. Sorry, it hits so many, so many people at so many different ages because now like. I love taking like older friends who like the I I think my career is based off of nostalgia of the fact that like just like like I loved it when it was eighties in the eighties and like I love it I love it because it was in the eighties that's what was my love but like so that love of wrestling is there but you could come now like to these shows when you're like old like I'll go I'll do the fringe and like you know I brought Kanane and, and Shafir to some of the wrestling I did in Scotland and they were just like they loved it and it's and like they don't watch TV wrestling yeah. live wrestling. Is so good. It's so good. And there's good. so many like alternative hipster shows now where you can go to these shows and, and drink beer and have fun. Yeah. And there's 18 and over shows where, you know, it's not – when I started in 99, it, it was a lot of like Dwight the Clown was on the show and it was for kids. Yeah. And now it's like it's totally transcended something completely different where the live show is like great for just adult dudes. I want to see – I haven't seen a live show. I was going to come to the Lucha Vavum mm. uh, th- tonight. You yeah. got one tonight. I think they're both sold out. Yeah. Well, I mean but- – Somebody could sneak in if they. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm supposed to go out with my production company tonight. And I was like, "Hey, you guys want to scrap that and go down to Lucha <laughs> Vavum?" Um, so, 
what, uh, and Vavoom's one of those shows. That's it's it. oh that one I just I mean I've I've heard stories like Dana Gould hosted it mm-hmm. one time. Blank Batch hosts everyone too, but it does he? Yeah. Um. So so wait. So my pre- reference Sorry. was those are the smaller ones. That's what I remember being mm-hmm. like the local scenes. Is that still around? Yeah. I mean, so essentially that was like the bigger local scene, but then. That was like the king of the local scenes in every different town, 50 different states. And then Vince McMahon bought it up and made it like one big production. Yeah. So those little things are still around. Some on a big scale, some on a little scale. And, you know, I, I, I'm like the king of the little scale show. <laughs> it's like my claim to fame. And uh, and so that's what I do. Yeah. And so what was it depressing? Like, um, it was just depressing getting fired from WWE. It wasn't hard to go back to these shows. Yeah. Because A... Uh, that's what I'd done for eight years, and I really enjoyed it and really liked it and made a connection with a lot of people. B, I wasn't a superstar in the in the likes of, you know, John Cena, Randy Orton, whoever it might be. I was the scrubbiest of the scrub. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I never went out there and people were like, oh, my name was Scotty Goldman. They made me the super Jew. Yeah. Uh, and I, I am Jewish. Goldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, they weren't like, Goldman! I don't even know what chance you do for Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, like I never had like a false bravado, if you will, or, yeah. or any of that. So, like I, I was my check, my reality check was still intact. And what year is this? It was two thousand two thousand signed in two thousand seven. I was sent to Louisville for a year. Then, um, and I was fired in two thousand nine. In two thousand eight, I spent a year in Tampa. They sent us to Tampa. Really? Yeah. So I know uh, Dale Mabry very well. Do you know? Oh, God damn it! Do you know Cowhead? <laughs> Uh, I know Cowhead through X-Pac, who's a wrestler. I know X-Pac. Yeah, or the one, two, three kid. And he would always just say how great Cowhead was. Oh, he's a... Or he's is. Still goes to every wrestling match comes to Tampa. And he's still passionate about I it. Nev- so I never met Cowhead. Oh, you gotta meet him. But I know... X-Pac, I think, would always say nice things. I know. I met X- X-Pac through Cow. I was drinking with my buddy Omar Dorsey. And I... You know Omar? This, I think the Sklars dropped Omar Dorsey's name. But he's... Because... Uh, they were telling a story how they were at the NFL Network, and their, Daniel Bryan was there, who looks like a normal dude, but yeah. it, was, it was at one point with the biggest guy in wrestling. Still, he just retired, just right? retired, right? And the scars were like, "Oh, that hey, that guy was nice." And Omar Dorsey's like jaw drops because he's like, "Oh my god, Daniel!" Because he's such a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Oh, he's massive. We were yeah. drinking over at the bar at Pat's over there, and I tweeted a picture, and X Pac replied, "Oh, how cool! It's the guy from uh, from I, I, Donna, uh, Ray Donovan." And fucking Omar lost his shit. He goes, did X-Pac just say he knew who I was? And I was like, how do you know X-Pac? And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I heard some shit. It was a different show I heard him on. Because I'm obsessed with podcasts. I'm obsessed. Great. And I listen to everything. And I love comedy podcasts. Yeah. Because I'm a big comedy guy. I love it. And so, yeah, he was dropping, you know, he's not, there's like a different level of guys and he was dropping like hardcore lingo. Like yeah. he knew it and I was super impressed. And that Legit. Makes, yeah. You have him on your podcast. I've, I only have wrestlers on my, oh, that's it's right. only, and I, feel, as I looked at the list the other night, I was like, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. But I do what I do. I do live shows. And I like to bring in comedians on the live shows. Oh, really? So, like, you know, like kind of a panel if you yeah. have. So, if you have two or three guests, because uh, you can have a wrestler, and then the reality is, is you that then you can have that comedian who knows how to be on stage, who knows how to bring a funny. Like when we're here, it, jokes per minute don't really matter. Yeah. But on that, I feel on that stage, it's like I it gotta does. be cracking jokes. It's fucking about wrestling. I don't like doing. I don't. I don't personally like doing live podcasts. But I don't mind doing 
ones that have a uh, motive. But when people go, we're doing a live podcast, we're just going to hang mm-hmm. on stage, I go, listen, I'm on stage a lot. Just hanging does not uh, sell, does not warrant a ticket price. Right. Like, trust me. Um, but so then when did you decide to start doing your podcast? Um, so obsessed with uh, kind of like, I guess always obsessed with talk radio. That's what I listen to. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, we travel a lot. So I'm just traveling. It's like a song's three minutes, uh, but a podcast is an hour. So when I'm on a plane and I'm traveling, I'm taking the train from my house to the airport. You know, it's a five, it's a four hour journey by the time you're all done with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, how many albums can you listen to? But if you can be informed and start listening to podcasts. So uh, a wrestling fan told like, I think I was on uh, a wrestling radio show and I was saying, you know, I love comedy, blah, blah, blah. And someone was like, hey, you should check out uh, comedy Death Ray. Yeah. Uh, Galifianakis is on it or whatever. And then I started listening to that, which spiraled me into... Uh, you know, Marin and Douglas movies and all all yeah. the awesome ones and, and, and Rogan and and, um, and then in 2010 I started. I, I was like, why? I was like, who's going to do this wrestle this style for wrestling? Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like it. I remember when you started doing your podcast because I remember everyone going like, oh, he's the he's the man in podcasting. Like I remember seeing that, and you've got a name. You got a name that's anytime that's anything with Babana. I, <laughs> I, I go, I get excited. I go, is it cold? <laughs> like there's a guy on Twitter named Luke Cabana. <laughs> And I always he retweets everything I write. I'm like, hey, no, no, I'm a different oh, guy. Just, I'm just, just, I appreciate that. Do you, do you, this is a little technical question. Yeah. Your intros, do you do you chop them up and put slice them, splice them together, or can you really do an intro that fast? Which so which like one? on the like on the the one with with, uh, with CM Punk. I was like, I'm listening. I'm like, he's got to splice these. He's got to be splicing these. It's such a tight intro. So the like the original the intro they do on every single show. Yes, yeah. I can do that fast. I can rock that out. Really? But like I have monologues now, and is I that, splice those up. A is that from is that from wrestling and being able to deliver dialogue and be in character? Well, that's from listening to myself doing a podcast and going, get on with it. Really? Like, God, you're so slow. No one wants to listen to this. I, I so find I so find it impressive when you watch old videos of wrestlers being interviewed, how good they are at improv. And just bullshitting. And just bullshitting. I, I don't know. Well, God, I think improv and bullshitting, are they two different things? I think they're two different things. Because, uh, like, I, I, I'm a little obsessed with The Rock, and uh, I watched some of his, uh, some of his best lines, and he called this girl, this blonde chick. She said something. He goes, "Listen, Lemon Miss Little Miss Lemon Panties," and it was like such a great little line. And I was like, "Did he?" Like in my head, I'm like. I don't wouldn't have been able to come with that on the fly, and I'm pretty fucking creative. Like, is he writing these? Are they writing? They must be writing copy. Is he memorizing lines? Like, I was fucking and and you watch those old Dusty Rhodes ones, mm. and he just those are all. But so I, I'm gonna say the rock stuff all scripted. Really, I'm I'm gonna but I'm gonna say uh, uh, the, the old stuff all off the cuff. Those and I've on the podcast I'll hear there's stories of guys just like we just drove in cars. We, to the next town, and all we did was just cut promos to each other. Really, and they'd reuse those. And the thing is, they'd reuse those promos in every single town. And they, it's God, it's just like comedy. It's like they tighten up their promo, they tighten it up. You know what I'm saying? And then eventually, the one time that we remember it from being on TV, uh, you know, with the one promo, like that was just one of eight thousand times that he cut that style promo or had those words, you know, That's in some so kind of order. Fucking fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean it's it's stand up, right? Yeah, on the road doing your act, and then you do your special, and that's what it is. Do your radio, and you got that one little rant about 
your dad or about Throwback Thursday, mm-hmm. and it happens to show up in conference. Fuck, I never thought of it yeah, that way. Yeah. That's so crazy. Is The Rock cool? I've, I've God, maybe met him once. I'm not the guy to ask. Do you like him? Um, God, it's so funny because like, I'm always on like Team Punk. And yeah. I know Punk, like, <laughs> I don't know where, where he's standing. He was very upset at the time when he wrestled him. Really? So like, he, it was easy for him to be like, oh, this guy's just coming in, blah, blah, blah. But everything I've ever heard about it from anyone says, besides Punk. Besides Punk. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, Punk likes him. Well, Punk's one of the most div- div- divisive, dis- Disguarded? No, like it's he's someone either people love yes. or absolutely fucking hate. Yeah, I got him and uh, Ziggler mixed up for a long time. As people, as people, as human beings. So I wasn't the massive wrestling fan, sure. and I heard Amy Schumer fucked one of them. Ah, and I th- and I and I immediately you punky, oh, that makes I, sense. immediately you're like, it's CM Punk. <laughs> the fuck is she doing with yeah, Ziggler? Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> What the fuck conversation are you having with Ziggler? <laughs> Nothing against Ziggler, but I saw him do stand-up one time, and I was like, the fuck's Amy Schumer fucking this guy for? Oh, man, but he is a giant, he's a giant comedy, so it's probably... He's a big comedy guy, and he's, and he's a very sweet guy. Mm-hmm. He's very sweet, and, and I was... I think at the time I was a little blown away. We did some wrestling uh, stand-up show where we, you know, wrestlers and stand-ups did it, and uh, he was a... Uh, it sold out, and people were obsessed with mm-hmm. him. Like obsessed with him, and I was, I was like, I was like, I've never seen this kind of fandom. It's wild, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, it's well. Eh, that's why I like where I'm at because I feel like I have like they those WWE fans. It's another. It's a different right. The fandom is wild. I have that wrestling uh, fandom like obsessiveness, but I have like the norm. I feel I feel I have the normal fans because it's yeah. a little hard to find me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you have to really be invested. In like wrestling and like I feel normality to be like oh Colt Cabana the guy who does the podcast where they talk and they bullshit and he's funny and he's charming and he's normal and he's like me and he's just trying to make a living as opposed to like you see on TV like oh I love when Dolph shakes his butt and has those abs you know and he's on my TV every yeah. every night so uh, but that is the wrestling fan yeah and and I don't think people like give us or that world enough credit for the um, just like so, so like. When I got like, I I just started this new. Uh, can you don't mind if I plug my a new I'll podcast? Give a shit, dude. It was on this thing called Howl. Uh, Marin's got his backlog catalog. I started a new podcast on there, and they like you know they paid me to do these three podcasts. I produced them DIY style. Man, I made it my yeah. myself. It was pretty awesome. Uh, I tell these stories about the. It's called Pro Wrestling Fringe. It's about weird, the weird shit in wrestling. Not like, hey, what's Hogan and Cena doing? Like what? Hey, uh, uh, one story about Sputnik Monroe, the guy who. Um, who allowed uh, black fans into the Memphis territories to like diversify? It was just white fans were allowed to watch Memphis wrestling, and then he was really? like, he changed. He was a white dude. He's like, I'm not wrestling unless these black dudes get to watch with everyone, and then find like, and that allowed white and black fans to watch together. Holy shit! Yeah, pretty, and, and then we tell we tell you know I tell the story, but the fact like I you know all these famous comedians are on this Howl app doing. You know, special podcast, and then here's this weird wrestler, and I've I've found my way into the comedy world because I'm such a comedy fan, and I get it, and I love that community, and they're just like you've blown away, I've, like we've never seen reaction like this to a show on this thing. It's like yeah, I have great fans, and no one like these are these fans. They spend, they have money. They're just like every other normal right. person, and like you know, it, it, but people are just like oh, wrestling fans, they're weird, but like no, they're everyone, they're normal, and they spend money, and they're great consumers, and. They're like to a fault, you know, 
in. They're into a fault. I, what's now? The, do you tell a story of Sputnik, or do you bring them on, or do you talk to people no, that work dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, and I told a story about Tom McGee, who was supposed to be the next Hulk Hogan, and Vince McMahon was like, watched him wrestle. And was just like, holy shit. He's like, everyone's fired. Hogan's fired. We got Tom McGee. And what it was is he wrestled Bret Hart that night. And Bret Hart is so good, he made Tom McGee look like the next Hulk Hogan. So they signed him to this giant contract. And they realized, oh my god, this guy sucks. Unless you're fighting Bret Unless Hart. You're Bret, if you want to fight Bret Hart every night. So I'll tell the story. I'll score it. Uh, I'll put music. So it's almost, like, it's almost like This American Life for wrestling. I'm trying to, like, not to be braggy about it, right? But I, like... I was like the like I stole from comedy to do like the one on one bullshit interview. I don't think you stole that. I think I think you just I I think for wrestling. I, no, I yeah. I think I think w- what you're doing is so different. You got to realize like your podcasts. You better know the fucking lingo to wrestling, or you're going to get lost. Like I've I've listened. See, I don't want to hear that. Oh no. That's part of wrestling, but it's it's like I want like, anyone people to be able people, to people to doesn't uh, like just turning heel. Like my wife would never know what the fuck mm. that means. I know what that means. I know what uh, going over on somebody. Uh, a fucking there's a lot of but there's a lot of there's it is a it's a podcast about wrestling. You better be into fucking wrestling if you want to listen to it. But you find interesting things. Something like that is almost like. It's it's still inside, but it's so crossover mm. that that is fucking fascinating. Wrestling, pro wrestling, is one of those things that you get. Uh, it, I'll say for me, I'm not gonna say for everyone. I get stuck in a spiral of researching everyone and finding out what everyone's doing. Fun, w- Wikipedia, right, or just whatever. Oh, Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, and and my memory is so shit that I'll go. I think I saw that guy wrestle. What's he doing? And I'll fucking spin it out. And I'll just, all of a sudden, I'll be like on some crazy, of, and then listening to stories wrestlers are telling about being on the road together. I mean, it was just such a hectic fucking life. Is that, I mean, I think that's changed from an outsider's perspective. I think it's changed comedy. Like, because for me as a fan of, as a comedy fan, like, yeah, I'll hear these backstories. I mean, that's a given, right? Like, yeah. and then I want to see them on stage and I want to see them do well. Because I know their backstories and their history. Has, it's, was it's, that ever like that? No. This podcasting has changed the dialogue. And I, I was going to say that probably later. I'll say it now. But I feel like you've changed the dialogue between wrestlers and fans. I appreciate it. A hundred percent. You feel like – I feel like you – Did you look, have a script that you – did you just go off script? You're like, I had this in the third act? No, 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 no. It's just, in, my head, in my head, I was like – I was like, there's th- certain things I want to talk to you yeah. about where I was like – where I'm obsessed – but like one of the things is the di- the the dialogue is has changed with comics. They, I get on stage and they're like, people are like, so tell about eyes closed karate, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, eyes closed karate, and I'm like, how do you know about that? And they're like, you fucking said it on your podcast, and I'm like, so you forget that you share things that people attach to, and then they're like, that's a funny story, and you're like, oh, I don't have a bit for that. That was just me talking to another guy. Like I did a bit with this guy, Luis J. Gomez, that. uh that I put in my vlog, and someone texted me. He's like, you better be doing that on stage. And I was like, oh, that's just me and Lewis hanging out. And then I'm like, fuck, how do I do that on stage? Now does it look like I'm running bits on people on my podcast? Mm. So it's it has changed the dialogue entirely. Do you feel you don't have to get as many – and so this is kind of a wrestling term. Do you feel you don't have to get as many laughs now because you're just over because they know you? Is that the term, over? Because you're over. It, it's, it's, so the is the – is was the rock People already like you yeah they like you you go on stage and you back in the day when you first started you had, you had to win them over 
Okay, I thought it meant like no, no, no. I'm saying, I, you had to. So no, 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 no. I, no, I mean, I mean, yes, yes. That is <laughs> that is a great. Let's go. I want to go through wrestling terms and you apply them to comedy. That's okay. a brilliant bit. You got it. Um, yes, I am over. When I get on stage, I'm over. I take my shirt off and it, and I'm over. Yeah, or you just go on stage and no. Nope, when I take my shirt off, I'm over. <laughs> okay, sorry. Once I take my shirt that's off, your, everyone's no, no, like, no, 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 no. Take your take your shirt off. That's yeah. your, that's a big high spot for you. That's a big big high spot for you. People are going crazy for that. You, it's that's easy. It's a big high. It spot might be your finisher. Me. What's your finisher? Just chugging a whole bottle of vodka? No, uh, telling the machine story. Okay, that's, like what, what? Like what? What would be that? That is the people's my people's elbow. Yeah, that's your finisher. I wonder if at any point Rock uh, Rock was like. Ugh, the people's elbow again. <laughs> <laughs> I have a new move I want to try. Right. How come no one's liking my new move? <laughs> I feel, and I feel like it took a while to get like, well, it took a while to get both of those new moves. Like if you really think about it, and that's the fun thing about wrestling is anything can be over. Anything could be a finishing move. You just have to pound it and pound it and pound it. Like think Hulk Hogan. Yeah. A leg drop. A fucking leg drop. <laughs> Right? Yeah. But you think Hulk Hogan do a leg drop? Oh, that's the greatest move of all time. Those like an elbow. Everyone does an elbow drop. Yeah. Rock does an elbow drop. He made it the coolest thing in the whole world. Yeah, that's so crazy. So anything could be anything. I mean, I remember the ones like when we were a kid was like the camel clutch. Camel clutch was like, oh fuck. Or when when the Iron Sheik would load his boot. I you know what's so funny? I bought that hook line and sinker. What did that ever, you know, like someone explained it to me later. Like, I just knew they were like, he's loading his boot. And I was like, okay, the announcer says he's loading the boot. Must be deadly. Like, apparently, he's keeping something like under his foot. And a then weight, went, a weight yeah. was in the, inside the sole of his boot. Yeah. And when he decided to load it, the weight would go to the front and it was like brass knuckles. He would tap it down by tap. God. So weird. I'm fucking, I remember, and you'd be like, as a kid, you'd be like, he's loading his fucking boot. No one's looking. Fucking look. Watch. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Can like, I tell you a story about the camel clutch? Yeah. This is fun wrestling stories. Um, uh, there was a guy named Muhammad Hassan. He was doing like the uh, Arab gimmick after 9-11. And he was doing the camel clutch as a, as a finishing move. And Eddie Guerrero was, the, was in WWE at the time. And Eddie Guerrero would sometimes use it. And Muhammad Hassan... Eddie Guerrero, a legend in wrestling. You know, Muhammad Hassan, a rookie. You yeah. know, however you want to relate it to comedy. You know, uh, an open micer versus a guy that's been doing the road. I, I was going to give a yeah, like an open mic going up to Kinnison and saying, "Hey, don't don't tell this joke." Yeah. So Muhammad Hassan goes, "Please, can you not do that move? It's my move." And uh, Eddie was like, "Oh, okay." And so Eddie told some of the guys what Muhammad Hassan didn't know. Is Eddie Guerrero's father invented the camel clutch? <laughs> Shut the fuck yeah. up! It was, his, it was literally his family's move, and Muhammad Hassan was like, "Don't do that move. It's my move." Shut the Which fuck is, up! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that, a little camel clutch backstory. I love, I love old wrestling stories the same way I love old comedy stories. Like, what are what 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 are your favorite old wrestling stories? I, I, well, I, I told I, I started telling him on this on this podcast, but I mean I don't know it's it's like what are you drawn to like what what excites you when you like Google someone? Well, I can tell you what I, the romance of doing the road is what is when I feel that I'm a wrestler and then I hear so in 2004 I moved to England and I did those Butland camps and I was on I did. Um, made like 89 shows in seven, 89 matches in like 76 days, but I did three months of work Yeah, and, um, and I was like, I'm a real wrestler. And then, 
And so I'd watch these old like 1960s and 70s British matches. And I was like, they, and then you'd hear, and some of those guys were still on the road doing it. Yeah. And so they would tell the stories and they would be like, this is how we did it back then. And they're like, you know, we're doing the same kind of road. And I just pick, and like, out of all the shit and all like not making any money and my body hurting, like there was always me just being like, this is what you do. This is what they did. This is what I, this is, I'm doing what they did. I'm not doing some superficial style of it. You know, I'm not pampered. I'm not, you know, and like, it's, it's weird to think. And I, you know, like I'm not flying first class. Like there's a little bit like in my heart that was like, yeah, I'm doing it the right way. Like yeah. those guys before me. No, no. I've, I felt like that when I do the road, but I always had the, like, it's interesting. I think of your lifestyle and you go, you got to be eating right and working mm. out. And I mean, it's almost I don't, like, I don't drink and I don't do drugs either. Really? Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, good parenting, maybe. Ne- oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what, and like, also, uh, like the idea of like so focused on I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. Like I never wanted that to ruin any of my chances for anything. Really? Yeah. I no, think that's a that's a percentage of it. Now, did you did you never drink? I, I have drank before. I've never been. I, I I've never been a guy who drank maybe more than once in a month, and you know, I, maybe twenty times. You know, by the time I was 25 that I got drunk and then 25, you know, maybe three times since then. And I don't th- I don't think I've, I've had, an, had a drink since I was 28. I'm 35 now. Really? Yeah. And, I mean, and, it, just, and, and also not the one for it. Like you don't like long it. You don't, no, like, I hate long the taste it. of it. Oh, really? I absolutely hate the taste of it. And I love the taste of pizza. You know, like, yeah, it's just like, oh, I'd rather have that pizza. That makes me feel way better than than beer or alcohol. And uh, and like it doesn't taste like shit and like it doesn't fuck you up. And never try drugs? Never. But have you ever tried steroids? No. Never tried steroids? Never tried steroids. Oh, God. That's what I wish I had tried. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I'm still I'm still teetering on it. Really? Yeah, because I'm at an age now that if I do it, I might get fucking colon cancer. Well, you could get prescribed them. I know, but it, it, it increases your risk for colon cancer at this age. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you've probably been through have... enough. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think you've done stuff that would have rocked your colon cancer? <laughs> the, the, they, you can, does, does testosterone give you colon? I guess Rogan would know all the answers to this stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it I think it increases your chances for colon or, for for cancer growth. in general. Growth, I think, a human growth hormone you can get at, a, at an older age. Yeah, thirty five. That's 40. what Madonna was using. That's mm. why she looks so good. But you never were drawn. Like you never. That's the thing. It's like I look at comics who don't drink, and I go, "How do you do in the clubs? That's where all the booze is. That's what everyone's doing around you. That's what you get paid in. How do you, how do you dodge the bullet of steroids in pro wrestling, where you just have to assume it's fucking littered? With yeah, it. my trainers were like, "Well, you're going to take steroids. Just uh, it's a matter of when." I was like, "Oh God!" I was like, really? I, I, "I was like." I was like, that's sad. I was like, all right, I'm going to try to hold off as long as I can. Yeah. But my crew has always been like drug-free dudes. Yeah. And I like, I go out and I party and we go out and we have fun and I, I'm around it yeah. and I watch people do it and whatever. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. I have good willpower not to do it. Who's your crew? Like Punk and I started. So the first five years of our career, we were just driving everywhere and doing everything. And we were f- mischievous. We were pieces of shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it just didn't involve drugs or or. Or drinking. Really? Yeah. He's straight edge, right? Straight edge, right. So, I mean, we would be little shitheads. You know, it just uh, we just did it without any sauce in us. You know what I'm saying? God. <laughs> I wish I, I mean, I guess I, I was probably like that up until I went to Russia. When I went to Russia, that's when the wheels came off. <laughs> I was like, I, I think it's social anxiety disorder. And now, now it's like that's my that's my it's my signature move. My is having a drink. Everyone wants to have a drink with me. So it's it's even when I don't drink, like 
as soon as I don't drink, that's when you start realizing how many people want me to drink. Mm. And you're just like, I'm not drinking this month. And they're like, but today, right? And you're like, no, I'm fucking, I, like, I don't need it. I don't need booze, but I like it. I like it. But there's times where I want to take a big stretch and get my head straight. It's fucking crazy. What, you must have seen tons of dudes fall to the wayside from drugs and alcohol. Oh, God, yeah. One just died. Uh, he was on my podcast a couple of years ago, Axel Rotten. Really? Uh, just, I mean, they all, not one, they all start dying, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, like I saw that one coming, you know? Sadly, yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of sadly weird shit. There's a guy, Chris Candido, passed away uh, years ago, and then his I was wrestling his best friend. Uh, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna say his name, but like, well, you could really figure it out. But I, I don't know. I, I was wrestling his best friend the next day, and he was in such a wreck, and he's a known drug addict as it was. And I just wa- I was watching him just snort up everything and anything he could find, and then I had to get in the ring with him, and he was trying to cut his head. Uh, he couldn't find his razor blade, so he was trying to. He, he went in the garbage can and was. He tore off um, uh, a Pepsi can and was trying to slice his head with a. Pe- I know this guy was. He's not a. He's not a clean human being as it is, and it's just like. I, I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay. I, I mean, I was scared, but I'm just like, all right, just make sure you don't let him do anything that can hurt you. It's just like get out of this match. And go get tested as soon as possible. Also, from God knows what he has. No, is that, what is what are the fundamentals of a match? Like, is it? Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, to to an extent. I mean, like I when I'm when I'm when I'm doing stuff like that, it's always like, well, listen, like uh, you go to a show, it is what it is. You go to a magic show, you're not going to be like uh, it's sorcery, but you yeah. sit there and you enjoy it. And you kind of don't want to know, just so you can be present in the moment. Yeah, like, you want them to suck you in so well. That like all of a sudden you're like that was definitely magic. Yeah, it's like people go, do you just improv all your show? And I go, uh, no. But if you think so, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's if it looks like that. Yeah. But like I remember Stanhope came out and was like, guys, everything that comes out of my mouth is written. I've, it's scripted. Like I am not improving any of this. But when you watch Stanhope. Holy shit! It looks like he literally is finding inspiration in a wine glass. That's, like you're like, what the fuck? Can I? There's uh, he's a, he's open for Stanhope. Do you know Junior Stop? Yeah, yeah. I, I so I go see a lot. Of, I'm from Chicago. I go see a ton of stand up in Chicago. Yeah. One of my best friends, Marty DeRosa, is a stand up there. We do a lot of wrestling comedy stuff together. But I just remember going to a show and just watching everybody before and just being like, I can see them go over their material in their head. Yeah. And then Junior was headlining, and it was just like it looked like he just made that all up on the spot. And I was like, "That's a pro. Yeah. That guy knows what he's doing." And is it, is that is that the same vibe as wrestling? Yes. Is that, it's, yeah. But in saying that, I do a lot of improv out there. Yeah. I love improving out in, in wrestling. So if you want to know like the basis of it, like I'll go to you and uh, I'll, I'll say, like me and you know we're wrestling. We're no wrestling. You're my bad guy because you're I'm a, I'm the good guy. I do comedy wrestling. That's my style of wrestling. I'm a com- comedic wrestler. So I need a straight guy. You're my straight guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So hey, I've got like hey, I got like four or five bits I want to do in the beginning, and then I want you to cut me off and beat me up. And then I'll make my Hogan-style comeback. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so my bits are like little jokes that I make through wrestling. And I'll tell you them all. And then we'll go out there. And then while we're fucking around, and because I, I like to fuck around and I'm doing stuff. You know, we don't call it this bit A, bit B, bit C. You know, I'll say like, hey, the, the monkey's thing. You know, like that's the extent of it. And so like, but I'd be like, hey, let's go to A right now. Or hey, let's go do the monkey thing. Or hey, do the arm thing. Let's do the, hey, the arm thing. Take this, do the arm thing. Hey, hey. And uh, that's kind of how like... Really? Yeah, in a match that would work. How do they teach you this? 
I mean, that's just. Is it like? I mean, but it, that's but on the road. That's that's just being that's on the road. Four thousand matches. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and and a lot of it for me. A lot of it's my own like we find our own styles or we find how to do it like our own way yeah you know like some people don't do it like that at all they do it completely different other ways and nothing's right nothing's wrong because it's art and it's it's beautiful and it's subjective and that's the best thing about it a lot of people don't realize that and when people it's same with comedy right when they're like colt you fucking suck it's like that's fine but this guy thinks i'm awesome and i love that this guy thinks i'm awesome and like I don't suck because this guy thinks I'm awesome. How can I suck? He in a weird I'm way, awesome. but in a weird way, you you it, I don't and I don't know if this is like if, if this is maybe my lack of perception of it, but these people's love and hatred is becoming less. It's like it, the, people are hating uh, Phil now as opposed to CM Punk. Okay, like is that make is that accurate? Like when I was a kid, people ho- hated. Uh, Hulk Hogan, not Terry, right? Fucking Bollet. Like, uh, it, like I feel like people. God, I think it's there. It's all mixed. I don't think there is a like. They don't know Phil because anything that he's ever done. And first of all, I. But do you think then? Then do you think that I call him punk? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I get what you're saying. But anything he does in public, anything he does for anything, is for his quote unquote brand, right? Yeah, but it's like it's almost like the brand has been. I wish I could knew the right way to say this. That the brand has overtaken the person, like because I mean, now we're talking about MMA and people are literally being like, "Oh, Punk will never fucking fight MMA," and you're like, "I don't, I don't know if people, I, I really don't know, like I don't know if I know that Ziggler is a different person than Ziggler." Do you know that? You know what I mean? No. <laughs> like, like, like when he starts when he's doing comedy, or just him in general. Just him. Yeah, because we're on. It's we're on twenty four. It's a it's a twenty four hours. Twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you ever not I, you? Yes. Like you're you right now, right? A little bit. Yeah. But then you're, no, no, you're, no, no, no. I'm a little cold right now. Okay. I, like if we turn this off, I'll just I'll probably be like a little super, a little quieter. Like like a Scott, right? Like I. I I don't. I don't want to be on. I just want to sit and do nothing. But do you realize? Like, like this sounds crazy, but like. Uh, and I, I'm dealing this with this in my life yeah. is that there is no differentiation between me right now, me picking up my kids and me on stage. It is all the same brush stroke. Okay. A hundred percent. I believe that the accessibility to, uh, the, your, 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 your celebrity, the person you love, your accessibility to that person is it's, it's un it's almost indistinguishable these days. Like, like it's indistinguishable. So when they say things, when when people take periods and go, I'm getting offline because it's driving me fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. People are saying legit things about you. Like, you know what I mean? Is that my am I interact? Like, I felt like when I was a kid, I knew that there was a difference between Hulk Hogan and Terry. Like in your mind, in my mind, Terry's just reading a book in his in his house. Like, you know, with the, the Homer Simpson glasses on, like, is that what you're saying? I get, maybe I didn't know. Did you know? I only saw, I didn't think there was a Terry. I just thought there was a Hulk Hogan. And he was only available for me to watch Saturday mornings and Saturday night's main events and some pay-per-views. Yeah. So, like, they weren't real people. And that's the selling point from for us is that hey we're we're just like you. But that's so funny. I need you to buy a ticket because I need to live. I I don't have a machine pushing me on Saturday night's main event, you know, yeah. where I don't have like 
I need access to you to know that that I need you to make a living. Whereas Hulk Hogan in the 80s was just like, show up. Vince will take care of all of that. You know what I'm saying? He'll put you on uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live. He'll put you, you know, he'll get you the endorsement deals. He'll get you that. And you just play this cartoon character. I feel like maybe like Dice would be the same example, you know. Or Larry the Cable Guy. Or Larry the Cable Guy. Now. Yeah, does he? I heard. You want to? I I love how you just said I heard. I'm so excited. I'm so. (laughs) It freaks me out. He, uh, his name's Dan. And he lives in Omaha. I'm going to Omaha this weekend. And uh, he like hangs out at the comedy club. And one of the bartenders, I was saying something. And I said, what's Larry the Cable Guy like? And he goes, he doesn't have an accent. I went, what? <laughs> and he's like, he, when he talks, he doesn't have an accent. I went, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I go, you're telling me, he, like, I thought he really I thought he really had an accent. And he's like, no, he's like a regular person. That accent's not him. And I was, I'm the person... Like maybe maybe this maybe I'm saying to you what I'm saying asking about myself is I believe in the dream, like I believe in the dream. I believe that that Larry the Cable Guy. I want to see him be that guy when I run into him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that, and it's the same uh, mysticism that professional wrestling instilled in me as a kid. Like when you get done the match and you'd sign, get autographs from everyone, they weren't like uh, like they didn't like Dusty Rhodes wasn't like well that uh, well it was, it was very nice seeing you guys all right as you were gotcha yeah it was Dusty Rhodes like hey little man yeah, how you doing hey baby well, yeah. good to see you baby good to see you baby <laughs> let me find you something for you there but what do you got there program yeah I'll find that for you you gotta pay me two bucks though okay that's two dollars now give it to Mithy over there she'll take your money over there I'll find anything you want baby mm. like mm-hmm. I, get, I mean and I and I only use punk because he's probably the person that in my circle people talk about the most but I feel like I feel like I don't, I don't feel like it's possible for him to be like hey guys uh today I'm going to be Phil so let's dial back the hatred or the love or the adoration yeah it's so weird because you want to say like the best performers are the, like if I was like if, if I was like I put on a shtick people were like oh no like I thought you are you. It's 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 it, it's kind of. Does it get does it get cloudy for you? It, yeah, bec- yeah. Because obviously, Colt Man is like me, Scott. But dial, you know, it's it's cliche, but you know, dialed up a little bit. And- like I watched Colt Cabana get a sandwich at Subway. <laughs> yeah. Like I did. But I was on Periscope, and I was, I knew I was on. A little, you know, and even if I was like I talked normally, like I just knew I I knew. That people that liked Colt, you know, the people that like Scott are my mom and my brother. Like, that's the only people I'd be playing for if I was Scott. <laughs> the only people that like Scott. But wait. My high school friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I watched you order that sandwich. That was when I found my love of Periscope. For me? I fucking... I got off of it. I couldn't take it anymore. Oh, I loved it. Well, it, it is that thing where I... And I, I don't... Maybe I'm d- dancing in circles uneducatedly about this one subject. But that thing of, like, I tweet as... I tweet as Burt Kreischer, mm-hmm. but that is also the machine. That is also fucking stand-up comedian, tra- travel channel host. I tweet as all of the encompassing. When you hate Burt, you hate me. Like, you hate me. Okay. Like, there's. I wish I could differentiate and go, oh, he's talking about the comedian. You know, or he's talking yeah, about... okay, I'd say if you hate Colt, you probably hate me too. Because it's got... I mean, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, my sense of humor comes from me. That's your is, sense of humor. Yeah, which I put out there. That's your sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right, I mean, it's maybe dialed back a little as a, but like everything I put out there comes from from me, Scott. I mean, it's all it is all the same. When did you start? When did you get into wrestling? Like as a kid? Which which one? No, no, no. When did you start liking it? Yeah. Uh, my dad had it on. My dad was a very casual viewer. Yeah. Had it on TV. I remember I was, and this is kind of a cool story because I was three or four years old at the time. I remember Andre the Giant getting his hair cut uh, by these two guys, right? That was my first memory. You know, 1980, and I look back, it was 1983, so I think it was like January of 83, so I was born in 80, May of it, May 1980, so I was th- three going on four, and I just wrestled at that building a couple weeks ago. Really? Um uh, it's outside of New York. I can't. Why well, can't I? P- Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie, New York. And we were there. And my buddy Cliff Compton, who's uh, who was Domino of Deuce and Domino in the WWE. Yeah, he's like, this is a lot of history here. He's like, this is where Snooka got the coconut to his head from Piper, and this is where Andre got his haircut. And I was like, and I was wrestling in that place. I thought it was very, it was great. It was so how, cool. How cool is it to know that wrestlers respect the history? Like when you said. Like I met Rowdy Roddy Piper mm-hmm. before he passed, and I was like, "Dude, I, I mean, I, like, I wanted to be like, hey, thank you." Mm-hmm. Was so funny. This is a little interesting story. Yeah. Was we were doing a storytelling show, and uh, they were like, "Hey, can you do a storytelling show?" And I was like, "Yeah, no problem." And they were like, uh, "I want to make sure you don't have any overlapping material." And I go, "I promise you, I won't." <laughs> and th- and that's I'm sure where Did I met. You, you, now you didn't wrestle Cowboy Bob Orton in 1984. <laughs> I go, yeah, I go on Horizon, right? And they're like, "Well, uh, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper's a pretty fucking amazing storyteller." And I was like, oh, "I bet he is, but I guarantee you have different life path- life paths." And they're like, "Okay." And uh, so I get to the club and I go, "They go, what story are you going to tell?" I go, uh, "About the time I fought a bear." And they're like. That's Roddy's story. Ah! And I went, are you fucking kidding? And they're like, like, yeah, he's got a story about that, so can you change it? And I went, hold on, hold on. He has a story about fighting a bear, and they're like, yeah, it's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. And I went, how is that possible we both fought a bear? And then I was like, fine, I'll change it. I'll, and I'm like, does anyone have a story about robbing a train in Russia? And they're like, no. So I go, I do the story, it does well. Roddy Roddy Piper's story about fighting a bear. Now, granted, he has not been doing stand up his whole life. Yeah. But and so he didn't he didn't know the nuance that I think could have made it a truly amazing story. But God damn it, it was better than mine. Wow. <laughs> like yeah, and it was. I love that you looked at it and you're like, I could punch this up for him though. Oh, immediately. Yeah. I think I, I think I wanted the guy he was working with a comic, Steve Simone, maybe. No. Um, oh fuck! He does late nights at the comedy store. Brett Ernst. No. He's- Brad Ernst is a big fucking. He was on a sh- an MTV show I did. Really? He was the he was the wrestling announcer. Really? Wrestling Society X, and and they just picked him out of left field and was like, "Hey, you're the you're, you're the announcer." Lasted one season. Shut up. The uh, no, uh, I forget his name right now. Okay. Don Don Pardo, obviously. Yeah, Don Pardo. But Mad- uh, Mattingly. Yeah, Don Mattingly. <laughs> We were all we. I, I made those shorts and we were all wearing them. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I watched all of them do. And I've I've worked with Mick. He does stand up too. He, uh, I guess there's like what's, what's the term for uh, you tell the person not to like listen if you if you don't if you're going third in the ma- in the matches you can't go over the top rope you got to save that for the guy going yeah. last. I don't know if there's a term like res- respect almost. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, can you uh, will you come out and do a set on my show?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I was like, you know, but I've, I've been doing stand-up a really long time. It's I don't know if it would be a good fit for me to go before you. And he was like, no, no, no. It'll be fine. Trust me. They're my fans. They came to see me. And I was like, okay, but, like, I don't have, like, the, I like, 
I'm, I'm when I do it, it's my. You can't bring it back. I can't bring it back. I, like I want to get laughs. I want them to laugh as hard as they want to laugh. And I had a, like a really good set. This is so interesting. And Mick, me. Mick was like, he got off and he was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but like I do this for a living. Like, like this is what." And Mick was like, "Was like came out and he was like, there was a term for in wrestling with you don't you don't go over the top rope for until the, the last guy go over the top rope. Yeah. <laughs> Purchase went over the top rope. Yeah, you build I mean you build a story. It's psychology, right? It's wrestling psychology. Yeah. And there's a psychology and same in comedy, I'm sure there's a psychology in a match and there's a there's a psychology in a spot. There's a psychology in a match and there's a psychology in a show. And then you build to the last show and the main event should always be like the the height of the whole show. And when those yeah, when the young kids are doing stuff and it's 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 outdoing the. I mean, that's just. And yeah, that's so. God. So he he didn't know who you were. No, he knew who I was. We had done a podcast together, and uh, he just didn't know you could crush. Well, he. Um, I think he was. I no I, pun intended. No, 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 yeah. I don't think he. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't like. I don't. And, and, and Mick's a good friend of mine. I just texted back and forth with him last night or the other night. He's in L.A. Mm. doing a show, and he was like, "Hey, I'm doing a show. Do you want to come out and watch?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm doing a, sh- a set at the Comedy Store." But like I think the same thing with with Roddy Piper is that you know he gets on stage it's a different energy like I have to earn the laughs like I have to I literally in that room I had to go up and go I'm I'm not going to go up and be like it's a room full of strangers that no one knows me they're all wrestling so fans so you're not over so I'm not over right. so I've got to go and get to the top I've got to do my best so that they like me I there's no way for me to just go mediocre mm. and like phone it in that's just it doesn't happen. It's called bombing. Yeah. And so with both of them, I just you you have to go, that's right. I can do this for a, a living. And then when they come on, they don't technically do it for a living in the sense that like they haven't been doing it as long as that like say wrestling, which is their expertise. Uh and so it's a different energy. It's it's a it's a it, the same thing used to happen with porn stars. We used to do this porn star comedy thing, mm-hmm. and the porn stars would come on stage and it was really funny because it would they you'd watch them digress from like trying to do stand up to just showing their pussies. <laughs> Literally, Savannah Sampson like was on stage and was just like, I was just a little fucking loaded, but she was like, How, "How's everyone doing?" And everyone's fucking going nuts. And there's this this threshold like people expect, "I we love you." Everyone's fucking sold out to see you, and she's like, "Ah." So I got kids, and everyone's like, ooh, that's fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> and then she's like, but I fucking suck dicks. And everyone's like, yeah. And then she's like, where's that fucking guy that was on stage before? And then you're like in the back going, it's me. She's like, bring him up here. Bring him up here. I'll show him what a, I'll show him what a tight pussy looks like. And you're like, well, this is getting uncomfortable. Or, and then next, or great. Or, well, then you go on stage <laughs> with Savannah Sampson, and she's showing her vagina. And you're Yay. like, okay. Huh? Like, it was just a fucking surreal. It's always been surreal. But I, Mick's just such a great guy. And he's a great storyteller. I, so I, I, I've opened for Mick. Doing stand-up? Telling wrestling jokes. Yeah. I refuse to say that I'm a stand-up. No, it's, you can – the thing is – I'm gonna. I'll say it in respects to this. The same thing you said about wrestling and being on the road and feeling like this is the way you earn it. That's it with stand up. If I just, if I became it, say uh, uh, say something happens in my life and Vince McMahon calls up and he goes, "We want to bring you in the ring." We think with the machine story and the fact that you're good on stage, you can do a couple jokes, a story. You're jumping at it, and then yeah, oh, and then. We're going to come in. We're going to really show you the basic moves, but they're going to fucking... Like they did with Steve-O and Pontius. Like Steve-O yeah, and yeah, Pontius yeah, yeah, yeah. did it. 
And I was like, great. And I did it, and it was successful. And then all of a sudden, they're like, we want to give you a contract. I'm like, shut the fuck up. And it's more money than travel and everyone's paying me. And I'm like, honey, what do you think? At no point would I ever be a professional wrestler. Right. Like, uh, but I may be getting paid for it. People may think I'm great. But I, at no point, because I, I would and assume the same way stand-up goes, I didn't earn it doing the road mm. and, le- and learning the ropes. Right. And, I guess- so, and Mick was like, you know, people were like, hey, you want to do it? And I was like, he's like, it's this amount of money. You don't have to take any bumps. Yeah. You could just talk, you know, and I, and was, yeah. And like, but out of respect, I'm like, I know I haven't done that same road, but at the same, there's guys when I was in the WWE system who, so I, you know, it took me nine years, eight years to get to that, to get to the developmental system they have. Yeah. And then they would just sign these random guys, football players, actors who didn't, you know, never did a thing. And all of a sudden they took me eight years, took them doing being an actor you know yeah and so and a great example would be uh jennifer hudson's husband oh, jennifer hudson would have been such a better answer <laughs> <laughs> shut right. the fuck up they, jennifer hudson <laughs> yeah i mean listen she uh she, from dream girls and they just uh yeah, yeah they need their divas she, and she's like and the whole bit is she didn't know what she signed up for she's like ah, this hurts this really hurts and they're just grabbing her by the hair pulling her back yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to <laughs> So they signed Jennifer Hudson, and he was he was um, he was a lawyer. He was on a reality show, and he was married to Jennifer Hudson. So they're like, and a lot of people hate it. Sounds on like him. true love. <laughs> they're still together, actually. Fair enough. Really, this is yeah, in nine ten years, and a lot of people hated on him. A lot of people hated on those types, and I was I always it's easy to hate on them, and I always and maybe at first I was like fuck this guy, but I would always go back to that mentality of like. Listen, if someone said, "Hey, you want to go do this?" Why wouldn't you say yes? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I would never. I would never turn down. I would never turn down an opportunity based on uh, just either silly ego or or well, what will people think of me. But and the same thing. It's like when you watch Mick's show, it's a good fucking show. Now, don't I mean? Don't get me confused with like like he's not following Bill Burr mm. anytime soon. You know, like the, Bill Burr is a stand-up comedian who is one of the most prolific voices in our business right now. Trust me when I say, when I go after Bill, I have a very hard time following Bill. Not very hard time. I bomb, and then I wake up really depressed. <laughs> but the truth is, Bill and I are identical. We're identical in this industry to each other. In our own views of each other, we're identical. We have, we're, there's no difference between me and him and me and Rogan and me and Ari and me and Steve Simone and me and Brett Ernst, we're all identical. We're all brothers in this in this fraternity that is guys who flew coach, who did the road, who had shitty fucking one-nighters, who got offered coke by strippers at the end of the night. We all have the same shared life experiences, which means which forms a common bond for us. And that's the that's the thing I love about stand up. Mm. And I, I it's I think that's the thing you love about wrestling. Yes. Yes. And it's so cool when you and it, a little bit of it's weird though. Like maybe we have a little bit of the same. Like because you know Bill and you just know him as probably hey Billy, that's old Billy, you know. Yeah. And and Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins and all these guys. And at one point they were guys that were asking me, you know, maybe not Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan and Punk. We were all the same guys, but you know, there's younger guys, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, who you know, if you don't know, but I mean, they're just the top guys in WWE right now. And at one time we're asking me advice and hey how do i do this hey how do i do that and it's uh and it's it's weird then but god on, on that point it's weird for me to say like oh these are my these are my my normals my these are my compadres or or i don't know the word but like and then you have the 
the wrestling fan out there going like, no, you're an unsuccessful piece of shit. Dean Ambrose is the man, and yes. you'll never be like that. Uh, I I get that when people say stuff to me like, um, and you have to know that it doesn't get to, it doesn't get to me, but. When Punk's my best friend and we're on the same trajectory, and then all of a sudden he's the god, yeah. And it's people like, oh, you, the number of people of you just, oh, you, you're just Punk's friend. That's all you are. The only reason you have anything, the only reason you have a podcast is because of Punk. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it's well, it's asinine for me because I, I, but I think I look at it as a from a side perspective of like I know I knew who you were before I knew who CM Punk was. Like I, I never was going to hear of oh, CM me. Punk. Oh yeah. Oh thanks. <laughs> no, definitively. Yeah. Because my my passion is podcasting and comedy, and you were the first guy who came up with a podcast about wrestling, and I was like, oh that's cool, that's fucking different. The only reason I knew you and CM Punk were fans is I heard him talking on something, and he said I'd rather do something with my friend Colt Cabana, and I went, oh, he knows Colt Cabana, <laughs> and I literally, I swear to God, I went, shut the fuck up, and I was like, and. And then I, I, from that, it was like, I guess it was a, like I said, my my history of wrestling is spotty, but I guess there was a time where he didn't want to work for WWE and like, and like gave like a statement or something. Yeah. He did that where he was sitting down. He did. It's called the pipe bomb promo. It's like a famous promo. And he sat down Indian leg style, Indian legs, Native American leg style. Crisscross Alpacross. Crisscross and uh and he, he he broke a lot of rules that like vince mcmahon's like these are the rules of wrestling you're not allowed to break them he broke like seven of them and one of them was just one of them was saying my name and waving to the camera and saying hey colt cabana and that was like that was like kind of a big break for me That's, i saw yeah. that yeah. i saw i didn't see it live but i right. saw it online somewhere oh i probably knew of cm punk from uh from ww from uh from mma and probably started looking at all the things Going like who like what is this mm. and and then like doing research or lo- looking at videos. I saw that promo and he said your name and I went oh who is this guy? Yeah. I, I know I know Cabana. Right, that's so interesting. But uh, but yeah, I I I I think I say the same thing when like people say to me like, oh my god, have you seen Daniel Tosh before? And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. Have you seen his latest thing? He does this thing, and you're just like, first of all. I know him. I know him very well. I know him very well in the sense that I could call him right now. I'm not going to, and and he's not calling me. But the truth is, you know, there was a like you said, the weekend we were on the road, we were just two fucking guys. No one's making a ton of money, mm. and we just hung out and had lunch every day, and dr- and I drank every night, and then we gambled at night, and and people still say like they say that to everyone. Anyone who has like they in in comedy, they call them daddies. Like if you got a daddy, okay, that's the term in comedy. Is like a vet? Nope. Uh, if you have a, this, is, this sounds creepy, and this is not a term that everyone's going to throw around and or want to use. But in comedy, uh, the term would be. Uh, I'm trying to think of. I don't want to say anyone's name because then it would. It's going to sound really right. bad. But like, uh, but like, I'll tell you this. Uh, I used to tour with Jay Moore. Okay, uh, we used to be really good friends, and. But that, more importantly, Ooh, in the community, I don't really talk about it, but uh, but I don't talk about it just because I don't want to say his name out loud yeah. and him to get upset. And, and I'm, trust me, he does not have any fondness for me, and I'm not returning any fondness back, but uh, but I don't we're, we're regardless. Using him, let's, I don't want to talk about it. We're, yeah. we're using him as an example. I shouldn't use him as an example, yeah. <laughs> but it's easier for me to use me as an example. So I was on the road one time, and, said, and I just started headlining, and someone said... Um, 
said, yeah, I'm looking for a daddy. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know how like, uh, Ryan Dalton's Steve, Steve Byrne is Ryan Dalton's daddy. And like Jay Moore is your daddy. And I was like, I've never heard that term before. And they're like, yeah, it's someone who you say, I'm going to take you on the road with me. And then you take them on the road with you. And then that's your guy. And and then the clubs know, oh, it's a package deal. Jay's bringing a feature. It's Burt Kreischer. Yeah. And, and, and so Jay was that for me for, I, I, I don't know how long, but like Tom Segura and I shared him. <laughs> Mm. Tom Skur and I and Jay used to be all very tight, the three of us. That's uh, a good thing, though, no? Uh, it's not a good thing. It's no, not healthy. Really? It's not healthy. Not, okay. It's really not healthy. And I, obviously, I think uh, you could surmise, surmise the unhealthiness and the fact that Jay and I don't speak anymore. Mm. And I think that probably happens more often than not. Like uh, Heather McDonald and Chelsea Handler had a massive falling out. And I think when... Uh, I'm debating how to talk about this or whether or not to, but... I think when your livelihood is dependent on someone else's career, it's a, it's it is not set up for an equal playing field, nor is it set up for an equal friendship. At certain points, uh, certain people are 100% dependent on somebody mm-hmm. and their moods and their attitudes and their feelings. So like you, you can and it, and friendship shouldn't be based on that. You that, know? That it, makes like my I don't I would I would never tour with anyone right now. I would never tour with anyone ever. I will never go b- other than last doing stand up because I don't want to be dependent on anyone else. You always career. use the locals for a local I use guy. locals. I'll bring some people with me, but I really feel bad doing that because hey, I'm fucking I'm not a great guy and I cancel dates sometimes and I and I don't want to think about your livelihood when I have to cancel my dates like because there are some big bang dates where I go, "Hey, I can't do that because I have another prior commitment and so what will happen is i'll book a guy and then he'll come with me and we'll he'll do have like eight dates on the books and then i'll cancel all eight and he'll have to then fucking scramble for work Uh, and i've had people say to me dude i got fucking kids man what the fuck man and you're like hey i can't i can't be your daddy like you gotta fucking it is yeah yeah and and so for me uh it was just unhealthy How, how did you and punk maintain like a healthy relationship just we we were always on the same exact level and even when he was, and like that's a credit to him, but as a person, when he, I mean, you know, yeah, he bought me always, and still does by his, by his, he picks up the tab. Yeah, that's the extent of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were just we were best friends and our best friends, and and there was that friendship. And as his career grew, like he never came back, and like he just he would come back from the road and would just need that norm that that normalcy. And you know, that I guess that that was kind of me. Like I, we were just we. We'd still hang out in the same way that we did when we were twenty. Yeah, and so he never he never let it get to his head. But there's some people that do let it get to their head. He's he never you know never let any of that get to his head. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's very difficult. It's all about the person, isn't it? Oh yeah, like Tom Segura is one of my best. Fr- what is to to this day still one of my best friends, and he he is blowing up. Mm. And it's interesting to have conversations with him where he's running into problems I've never had. He's like, they want to add a third show Saturday. I'm like the fuck mm. like what are you talking about <laughs> and he's like well they've added a show thursday a show friday a show sunday and a show saturday and they want to add a third one should i do it and i'm like i don't know tom how much are you getting yeah <laughs> like well there's times where i'll be like so punk will say something and i'll be like oh my god like that i would dream to have that yeah and i'd be like stop you're bitching yeah but then you know but then like something will now something happened but like i'll you know like i'll realize like like oh my god like if I was in that, you know, a lot, and he gets a lot with like fans annoying him, you know, and I'd be like, I'd love to have fans annoying me. That's got to be crazy. But to his, I didn't realize to his extent, it's just like, he's just like, leave me the fuck, like, 
you know, when I'm walking down the street and I've seen him like when he's walking down the street and, and people are just bugging him, I'll be like, how could you do that? And then like when you're with him enough and you see it, or you're at a place and you see it enough, you're like, oh, I get it. That is crazy though, because that's why you got into it. That's not why we got into it. It's not. No, both of us can say that. And you know, we just loved wrestling, man. You know, like, <laughs> God. you know, it wasn't about, and that's, I, I think why both of us are kind of saying is like, it was, it's not why you got into it. It wasn't about fame and money. And like, I've been really good about like picking up the business side of it. And like, but it, it's more of just so, for me, it's just so I could survive. Like, I just want to not have a job at Walmart. I want to do wrestling for the rest of my life. So, like, so, so the money mind of me will start working and how to not monetize, but just make sure how I can keep something going so I don't become broke. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, it was just, I mean, it was just about, it was just about being wrestlers. Wrestling, being wrestling is great. That's so crazy. You know, when I started, when I started stand up, it was just about, um, like being funny, just telling jokes. Yeah. Getting people to laugh. And then all of a sudden you get, it gets convoluted into this thing of like, of like, I don't know, like it does, I guess if I went back to it, I, 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 I do it for free. I'd still do stand up for free. But you just said, it was about. It's about fans and. Well, yeah, it's like it feels good. Is that like maybe? The- maybe you know? I don't. I mean, I'm being very honest in this podcast. I feel like I feel like I had you on my podcast so I could open up about shit. But like, or maybe I'm good at making people helping people open up. A maybe that's what <laughs> you're disarming. <laughs> but like you know, like uh, like fame. Uh, getting into showbiz, getting into straight showbiz, as opposed to gay showbiz, as opposed to gay showbiz, <laughs> you're doing it for the money. <laughs> I wonder if there's a, a parallel universe where uh, two g- gay porn stars are like, why did you get into it? It's for the cock! <laughs> uh, I, I got into it for the fucking craft services. But like, but like, I, like, I got into stand-up. I'm trying to be honest with myself. I, oh, I was always funny, but I don't know that I... I'm not certain why I – when I got into it, I'd been written up in Rolling Stone magazine, and I liked being famous. Right. You had a little buzz before. Yeah, yeah. that's a little interesting. And I got into stand-up, and I loved – I think I fell in love with stand-up after I got into stand-up. Like, I liked it, but I had never seen it. I never mm-hmm. watched it. Like, I wasn't like a – I wasn't like a comedy fan. I'd watch Carson and stuff. I liked comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's very honest right now. I was not like – uh, like you, see, some guys are like, no, I knew at eight I wanted to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. You got into wrestling because you knew you wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah, like there wasn't like, well, I I like working out and I like rubbing up with against guys. Oh, it turns out wrestling's my fit. You're right. Like I was, I'm funny and I liked I I liked being famous. It was I got famous in 1997 and it was it felt fucking. So you didn't have the opportunity. Sorry to cut you off. You didn't have the opportunity to like when you went up there right away. And it's kind of like Mick in the way like people. Like probably promoters were like, "Hey, we're promoting you, so you better do good." One promoter, okay, but yeah. but in that sense of like, you didn't have the opportunity to eat shit for a long time and grow your craft, right? No, I did. So I did it once in Tallahassee, and then got offered my own morning show, and immediately was like, "Fuck it." I remember, I remember, I was good at it, and I was like, "It's the first thing in my life." You know, this sounds crazy to say, but like, I had like a full career, a full life of like never really succeeding, like just being like. Not good at school, good at baseball, but not like good enough to go pro, not good enough to play college. I mean, I, I could have played college, but it just wasn't. I was like, I'll always be a bullpen catcher. I was like, so, okay. Uh, in a fraternity, not the best looking guy. I got a girl. She cheated on me. Got another girl. She was 
okay, but she was a little airheaded. And I was like, it was almost like a lifetime full of like no failures, but no real great success. And I, 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 I can only assume every fucking white dude born in 1972 has to have the exact same story. Yeah. However, I did have friends who like succeeded. My buddy went and played pro baseball. And we had a bunch of friends go play pro baseball. Do I know his name? Um, no, probably not. Brad Radke. He played for the Twins. I do know Brad. I was, yeah. Because I was uh, obsessed with the Minnesota Twins in the 80s. Really? Yeah. yeah. Kirby Puckett was my hero. But okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, and so, and then that article came out and in a weird way, it's like I found my calling. Like I was like, okay, and but there was no real talent attached to it, but I was like, this is what I was meant to do. And by this is what I meant to do, I meant have someone write an article about me. Like, <laughs> that was it. And then so I – but I had said in the article I wanted to do stand-up, and everyone always said, you're the funniest guy I know. And I always actually felt funny. I always felt like I was a little funnier than everyone else mm-hmm. that I hung out with. And so when I did stand-up, I did one show, and uh, they offered me my own morning show. And I was like, okay, I could do, I could get into entertainment. I was like – Fuck it, I'm moving to New York. I called my dad and I said, Dad, I found the thing. Like when I was a kid, everyone would be like, Brad Radke's going to play professional baseball. Right. And I was like, Dad, I found my thing like Radke. It's comedy. But when you got, when so you did the, the comedy and you did the morning show, were you like, I can't wait to get back on stage? Immediately. Yeah. Immediately I was like, uh, where's more open mics? And they were like, there's none. You're in Tallahassee. And I was like, well, wait, how do I do this? And one of the guys was like, you need to move to New York. I called my dad and said, I'm moving to New York. And when I moved to New York, I then spent a lot of time, but a good enough amount of time of, and I can show you that video that I was just watching, of just bombing and not doing well and figuring out my voice and doing stand-up every single night. Would they announce you as, you know him no from Rolling Stone? No one knew who the fuck I See, was. Okay, good. That's- no one knew who the fuck I was. And I assume they would. No one knew who the fuck I was and no one cared who I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and so I was like, oh, I'm just a stand-up. But then, six months in, through that article, Will Smith discovered me. And I moved, and I, I know, and I moved to New York. I moved to LA and started doing television. In a weird way, and, and Patrice O'Neill, and I, not to like harp back, but Patrice O'Neill is the one that told me, he's like, you have no foundation in life. And it's the same thing you said about diversifying. Yeah. That we started this conversation off with like having a bunch of talent. So when they take the one thing away, they don't own you. You know, like the WWE contract they pulled away, and you're like, fuck, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And Patrice was like, you. He's like, no one can ever take away my base because I'm a stand-up. I'll always make a living doing stand-up. And at that time, I was, I was not. I don't know if you could call me a stand-up. I had done it a bunch, and I was doing it professionally. But like, I don't think Jim Norton looked at me as a peer, you know. Like, or and Jim wasn't even doing it professionally yet. But like, so. Do you know what makes me jealous about that? What is that? And I've always said this is, to be a stand-up, you could just grab a mic and do a thing. Yeah. To be a wrestler, I need. I need eight people. I need a tag team. I need a referee. I can't just go up and be a wrestler. Does that make sense? Although I would definitely pay to watch you. Street performing? Nope. Just to watch you do a whole wrestling thing with no one in the ring. <laughs> to wrestle myself? Just I would pay money to watch you in a silent theater go through go through an entire match. Like beginning to end. Like... like fake talking to people yeah yeah like can i that would be an amazing one-man show can i recommend something to you yeah uh a guy named abushi in um a guy named abushi and kenny omega in japan both wrestled blow-up dolls in front of a giant arena and they the blow-up doll i think won a bunch of the matches 
serious? Yeah, but essentially, you know, it's they're wrestling. They're wrestling nobody. And the art of you know, please watch that. The art of that of them, what you know, taking bumps for this blow up doll is, uh, you know, be, the the and that's the difference between the, uh, what not the historians, but the the people purists, the purists, the purists who are like, this is absolute shit. There's such a fine line of purists like Jim Cornette who are like, you guys are ruining the business, blah blah blah. And then there's the other side of like, this is beautiful, this is art, this is a one man show. These guys are are magicians, you know. Who are the who are the like. Are, are who is the David Tell, Louis C.K., Bill Burr equivalent in pro wrestling? Like the the wrestlers, wrestlers, like the wrestlers, wrestlers. Yeah, Daniel yeah. Bryan. Um, uh, God, I'm trying to think right now. There's a like Daniel Bryan's like the the best example. He was like the last of like he really? was he was he was like well, I always thought like he'd be Luthes. You know, he's like Luthes of our generation. Like, Who's Luthes? Luthes is like the guy who like. He was the le- he was, I don't even know. He's the legend of like the nineteen six fifties wrestling. Side. Yeah, but there was just those guys. Those like those. You know, when you just think back like fifties and sixties comedy or forties comedy, you're like that was the. You know, there's only a handful that you people still continue the uh, the the legacy. They continue the legacy. You, you talk about them in the locker rooms, or whatever. And Luthez, obviously, and uh, you know Vern Gagne, like whatever it might be. Um, and, and Daniel Bryan was. I'm trying to think of the other of the other guys. Wrestlers, wrestlers. There's a guy named Finn, ba- Finn Balor, who's in WWE now, and Punk was one of those guys. Was there was there something, um, was there something different that like as you started with Punk? Was there at a point did you like Tosh and I didn't start together, but we definitely worked together. And I remember thinking, honestly, he writes a lot faster than I do. Hmm. We have very different styles, and I think his style was more like. I every time I worked with him, I thought he writes better than I do and faster than I do, and he's got he's really nailed his voice. Like I remember watching him being like, if Dane Cook, I'm not saying Dane and I started together, but I was there when Dane was Dane and I were both not famous at the same time, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking he never bombs. Like there's the one of the big fears of stand up is like, are they going to do good? Dane was this guy that subtracted that out of the equation yeah and i remember and everyone can say what they want about dane but i remember going like this guy's fucking amazing mm. like i witnessed it in wrestling is there that same thing like did you look at punk and go like he's got it so different like uh, to be to be honest i guess like uh i think a lot of people thought like i was gonna be the one really yeah because i i'd come from college football uh, you know, I was, like I, I looked apart a little bit, but uh, at the same time, I, you know, we're both. He's six one. I'm six foot. You know, we're not six five giants. Yeah. So at the same time, I always just I never I never saw that happening, but I, I understood with Punk um, when it did start to happen because he's a, he's a little more cockier, uh, and he's a little more outspoken, and I think what he. What a lot of people thought was a detriment to him, uh, like the tattoos and the weird look and all of that, I knew that in wrestling it's all about standing out. And I knew I looked like college kid Frank, you know, or whatever. And I knew he looked like something that nobody looked like. Really? So that so it, it made a lot of sense to me that somebody would be like – because it, it's just like there's you line up 20 guys and you're like, who stands out? To put on my show, I'm going to put out the guy with the weird – at the time, he had, you know, different colored hair and tattoos and just uh, – it was, you know, a punk rock – a straight-edge kid when there there was – and there was a such thing, but not in our 
and 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 it's interesting because I then tried to use that same science later. And I said, okay, what do I have that's different? I don't have anything. I look like a normal guy. I go, oh, I'm Jewish. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> and and I said, I go, there's no, there's no Jews in wrestling. And I was like, maybe that's how I'm going to sneak by Vince McMahon. Like I could put that in his because Vince McMahon will hit the developmental system of 50 guys that they were all signed. Everyone was bigger and more muscular than me, and I'm a personality. Give me, you know, give me. Five months of TV and, and give me a segment and I'll get over. But if you're just looking at me, you're I'm the last guy you're choosing. But I'm going to be the only guy that's Jewish. So I'm like, maybe that's something. Maybe their touring is real. And then I remember I had a pitch. Like, we had pitch days. And I said, listen, we've never had a Jewish, you know, like, I know what you're thinking of, you know, Jewish. But like I'm like, Jews... And entertainment are hot right now, and it was like 2008. I was like Andy Samberg and, and uh, you know, and even Seinfeld and all, and and Adam Sandler or whatever it might be. You know, uh, the Jews are, are the king of, of entertainment. Let's make him the king of sports entertainment. That was yeah. kind of my pitch to him, and I wanted to bring in that like new age Jewish sense of comedy into the WWE. That was how I wanted to do it, and they only named you know it was only in the name. And besides that, like everything else was just, a, you know, there was nothing else there. It was just like, oh, okay. That, all they heard was Jew, Scotty Goldman. And, and, on, and on the Titan Tron was like a, like the Batman symbol was a flash of a Star of David. That's like, that was the extent of my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, give him a book. Yeah. What? These Jews like books, right? <laughs> they make him a tailor. Like, what the fuck? Um, that's so, that's so interesting. What was the developmental scene like? Like is it the, like the tough enough camp that you see where the kids like I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler and then he's like clearly he just likes wrestling he's completely out of shape. Well, they they picked a lot of guys like me who were you know no I mean a lot of these guys were in shape the guys that they signed you know the guys they didn't sign were the guys that didn't that were those guys that out of shape yeah but it was a it was a this is another thing that drove me crazy that I didn't like about it it was a it was a five it was a nine to five job like. You woke up and you know nine o'clock. You went to practice. You went to their facility, and then at five o'clock or four o'clock you left. And then on the weekends you did the shows, and they were te- quote unquote teaching or whatever it might be. And there was three rings, and you know they have a whole regiment or whatever. But it's like I'm a wrestler, man. I w- I want to work ten minutes a night. You know I want to wake up at twelve, go lift on my own time. Like yeah. And uh, so that got to me because I lived that life for so long. And then all of a sudden, like. I had quit my regular job because I couldn't take working nine to five anymore. Yeah. And I want, that's the life I want. And then all of a sudden, like I, I found my dream and I was back to the w- schedules, you know, that I really didn't like. Yeah. That's crazy. What was, uh, what, what did you think? To, and I don't, once again, I probably could know the answer if I paid any attention. No, in life. I don't think of it. But like, what was, what did you think of the Miz? You know, he's, I think cause the power of my, like the power of my podcast a little bit, is I had him on my show, and same example. Everyone, he got so much shit. But eventually, like I had him on my show, I was like, "Hey, this guy's been doing it ten years with no break." And like, if you think like he's a, like I get it. You're like this. This guy's just a reality show. But you do anything for ten years, and you, and that's all you do, and you're doing it four to five days a week, and you're immersed in it. Like you're going to become. You have to become good, or at least a professional at yeah. it. Yeah. So. Whatever you know, subjectively, whatever, however he, you know, I respect him as a professional wrestler. I think yeah. everyone at the beginning was like, "Come on, man, you're just a reality show star." But he, he, unbelievably, has proved himself 
Yeah. To, you know, he's been there probably 13, 14 years now, something like that. Now, is he still... Is he still in the WWE? He's still there, yeah. Like, he's an interesting guy because I watched him in, on Real World Road Rules. Mm-hmm. And then I watched him on the MTV series. Was it Tough Enough? What was it called? Yeah, he was on the Tough Enough, but it wasn't the MTV one. It was the Spike one. Right. It might have been, yeah. yeah. Maybe. And I was like, oh, he really is passionate about this. Yeah, That's the yeah. first time I went, oh, he like he really gives a fuck. Yeah. It, that's the weird thing about about businesses. And I think that you know, there's guys that uh, don't do stand-up. And then and they have a TV show sitcom, and then the sitcom goes away, and they're like, "Well, but I still expect this lifestyle. I'm famous. I'll capitalize on this name." And they go out and do the road, mm. and you're like, and then people are like, "Oh, come on!" But then there's guys like Corolla who do the road, and the same way you say like Miz, you're like, "Oh, that guy's fucking legit. Like mm. he's like real fucking like you got to give it to him." I don't mean he, on my show is interesting. He went in and out of Miz and Mike as we were talking about personalities. Really, like you could see I because like I got to him a little bit and he's like breaking down. Then all of a sudden he catches himself and he's like he, he turns about himself. What? what what happened? He turns he just turned himself on. I, I couldn't you know like because I I want to know like I, I want to know. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I want to know what drives you to do this. And then all of a sudden, like you could see he starts like telling his story for real and forgets he has to be the Miz because he's at the WWE, so he has to be on. And he starts getting into it, and then something, you know, so either I, uh, you know, I take a break or I pause, or and then he's like, he snaps back into, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he snaps back into Miz mode or whatever it might be. That's crazy. Yeah, but that's a great example of like of the of splitting definitely two different people straddling the fence of reality, and mm-hmm. and it's so bizarre to me because <laughs> like you know like in comedy it's you know Joey Diaz is Joey Diaz all the time, Ari's Ari all the time, and then you guys guys like Tosh. Who are not Tosh? Mm. Like Tosh on stage is not Tosh off stage, and uh, and same with like, and there's different variances of it. And rest, but wrestling's the weird one where it's like, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's maybe the way I see it and the way I always see it is I the way I always will see it is the way I saw it as a kid, you know, mm. like I always will, and that's when people like it the most. <sighs> that's when I that's. Like, I don't like wrestling now, at least televised wrestling. You don't watch wrestling? I don't watch televised wrestling. And a lot of it has to do because they're suing me, right? So, like, <laughs> like I'm not going to support that. But, uh, but I, you know, and I've questioned myself, like, do I, oh, do I not like wrestling? You know? Yeah. Like, wait, this is my whole life. But it's like, no, I, I love the nostalgia of when I was a kid. Yeah. I love Junkyard Dog. I love Paul Orndorff. I love, you know, Mr. Wonderful, yeah. the Killer Bees. I love that. And then I, I also love what I do when I'm in it. And my surroundings of the live entertainment, like because I'll sit and I'll watch the live wrestling, I'll be like, I love this. I just don't like televised wrestling. I love the fact that what was it? Uh, was it the Honky Tonk Man and the Leap and Lenny Poffo were brothers? Uh, Leap and Leap and Lenny Poffo and Randy Savage were brothers. Were brothers. And yeah. the Honky Tonk Man and Jerry the King Lawler are cousins. Yeah, and they hate each other. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so fucking yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, Lenny Poffo. He God, I, I know. I want to. He was on my show. He's such a because his gimmick was the genius, and he used to read poems and throw out uh, frisbees. Yeah, and he's so well spoke, and uh, I love the podcast I did with him. And he had he had a mantra that was given to him by a wrestler named Red Bastine that I used very early on my podcast and in life. Was uh, there's two buses? So Red Bastine used to tell Lanny Poffo this. He goes, "There's two buses in life. That's it. Two buses." There's the happy bus and the sad bus. And you literally have the choice of going on. You walk down and you see the sad on the right, happy. Which one do you want to choose it? Why wouldn't you jump on the happy bus? Yeah. It's so much happier over there. And like I read that in an interview once and like 
it hit me so hard. And there was one time when I was in the WWE, a wrestler named, do you remember the Brooklyn Brawler? No. Okay, he was a wrestler named the Brooklyn Brawler. He's backstage now. And when I was starting up, he would give me so much shit. And he'd be like, uh, because I, I had this WWE.com show. They gave me a, uh, like, before he kind of YouTube hit, yeah. they gave me, like, a viral show. And I was, like, writing my own material. And, like, I have a weird sense of humor. And I think he didn't understand it. He's, like, a, you know, I don't know, like, 55-year-old dude who's just been in that world forever. Yeah. And he'd just give me shit and be like, this is not funny. This is not good. Blah, 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 blah. And one day I just, I said, hey, man. Like, I go, there's two, but like, you know, like, and you, there's two buses. Two buses. And you have to understand the hierarchy, right? Especially in wrestling. Like, do not talk to your elders like that. You know, respect them. Do not talk back, blah, blah, blah. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, there's two buses, man. Which one are you going to be on? And like, I gave that to him. And I was like, I have a living too. Like, I, you know, I have a family and I have a house, which I didn't have any of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was giving him the shtick, like, I'm trying to make it here. Like, I, all I, all I, I don't want this to suck. I want this to be so successful. And you're bringing me down, man. Just be happy. Be on the happy bus, and like the next day, he came back to me. And he was like, he sat me down. And he's like, I, he's like, I thought about that all night. Like, I didn't realize that you're like a human being, and like I'm gonna, you know, and like we've been friendly ever since. And uh, do you think the hierarchy in wrestling has to do with the fact that it's a physical sport? I think it's like an old boy, an old, old boys club. Is that the right yeah. terminology? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. Really, and people just protective of their spots. And so, like, and protective of everything and everything, especially there, it's like eggshells. No, you know, it all goes up to Vince McMahon. So, like, if Vince doesn't like this, then, that, you know, he's going to fire the guy below him. So the guy below him is going to make sure the guy below him doesn't do something wrong. It seems and, like a very unhealthy. Oh, so unhealthy. Way to run a business. And, 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 it, and it makes for such a lack of creativity and a, a lack of uh, artistry, you know. Like, there's just, you can't, everyone's second, you're, not at your fourth guessing yourself. It's got to be weird for someone like The Rock to come back or Cena to come back and do something. And he, they can do whatever they want, by the way. Really? They can do whatever they want. What are they going to do? Fire them? They're not no, going to get fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, bigger, they're bigger than the sport. Yes. See, that's the thing. No one's bigger than baseball. Okay. That's the whole concept about baseball. You're never going to be bigger than the sport. But people feel comfortable in the fact that they're not going to get, like, I don't even know. G- Jeter wasn't going to get fired in his life. Well, look at, look at Pete Rose. Yeah, fair enough. You're never bigger than baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. never, I'll never be bigger than comedy. And that works too because Pete Rose is a WWE Hall of Famer. <laughs> 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 but in a weird way, you can become bigger than the WWE. Yeah. The Rock's bigger than the WWE. For sure. If The Rock came out and said that uh, wrestling caused CTE and that, and, it would be stopped. Mm. It would be stopped. And that's insane. Yeah. It's insane to think. You're never going to be bigger than football. The, ev- all of our heroes are all now fucking dealing with the CTE shit. But I, what's happening on Sunday? Are we playing a game or not? Right. You know, that's the fucking crazy thing. Yeah. How many concussions have you had? I don't know. I, I, may, I can remember maybe one or two. Like, oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, I've had like seven. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a lot of fucking concussions. <laughs> like, I'm always shocked when everyone's like, like, you put it online. I was like, hey, just out of curiosity, like, everyone's had like five concussions, right? That's Real- a given. That's a given. Yeah, I was life. like, assuming if you grew up without wearing helmets as a kid, you had to have like at least five. But I don't even know what a con- I could. I don't know what a concussion feel like. Oh, uh, you know? Do you? Uh, you know? You if know. You're, if you, yeah. If you're saying that, then you haven't had a concussion. Maybe I haven't had a real concussion. Then I think I had one in football and one in wrestling. Yeah, I've had I've had them. I had a bunch in I had a bunch in football at a young age, like at a very young age, wow. which is really probably dangerous. And then I had um, I had one in basketball 
uh, Raleigh, Raleigh Massimino basketball camp. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went to Doug Collins basketball camp. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, I have a great, I have a great story about Raleigh Massimino basketball camp that I that I wish I could turn into a bit, but it's just too long. About Ralph Sampson. Um, Was he there? Oh yeah, seven three Ralph Sampson. Seven three Ralph Sampson. How big did he look when you were a kid? I oh, was. He must have been so huge. Twelve years old. <laughs> I'm sitting crisscross applesauce there on the is. gym floor with the predominant uh, race of the camp is black. Yeah. Okay, and and I'm from from Tampa. It's in Philadelphia. And the first thing he says, you flew to Philadelphia for this. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was obsessed. Good for you. I was obsessed with the Big East. My dad had gone to Villanova. My family grew up. My family's from Philly. So my dad's like, don't worry, buddy. I'll send you up. My dad went to Villanova. So he's like, send you up. You can stay on my old campus. And I was like, oh, that'll be great. I had no frame of reference for what uh, for what social anxiety disorder was, for how strange it would be to be in a totally different city where everyone knew each other and I didn't know a soul. Wow. And I was like 12, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. And Ralph Sampson's first words at that speech were, who in here parties? And I was under the impression that we were all putting our hands up. <laughs> I was like, who likes who likes apple juice and watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever it is? And no one put their hands up. I was the only one. And apparently he was going to give a speech about how you shouldn't party. Right. And I was like, right here. I, I was like, I was twelve, and he was like, he was like, how do you party? He like stopped, looks yeah, yeah. at me, walks up. He's got t- uh, two basketballs in his hands, and he goes. How do you party? I never partied in my life. Right. And I, I, I go outside. Me and my friends, we play, we play four square. I told him, I party hardy. <laughs> and he fucking, the, the fucking camp loses it. All of a sudden, every black kid in there is losing their fucking mind laughing. And he is dumbfounded. <laughs> By the way, this is, he said 10 words so far in this whole speech, yeah. and he's lost the crowd. <laughs> And he was like, how do you party hardy? And I go, with two hands. Like, I just did. I had no answers. I'd never partied before. So fucking. In your mind, did you understand he was talking about drugs and stuff? I I was under the impression of like, not really. I was yeah. like partying. Parties. Like, a birthday party, party. Yeah, like a party. Not, no, I, I knew it was more than that. But I, like, I knew that there were people that stole beers that got caught at camp the day yeah. before. And like, I thought that's what he was talking about. And I thought it would make me sound cool. Right. I mean, I thought I thought that I could put my hand up and everyone would just go, oh, you're cool. You're party. Yeah. That's nice to know. But like, and then he fucking made an example of me and brought me up in front of the whole camp. And um, it made you smoke every cigarette in the pack until you were done. No, he put a basketball behind my knees and a basketball on my arms. And squatted down, and I had to squat like, like, squat and hold it behind my legs, and then with my arms extended, and for the whole speech, this whole speech, he just talked about how he couldn't swim, and and uh, he never learned how to swim, and that's why he was a good basketball player. <laughs> who fucking knows what he said? Ralph I was Samson. I was freaking out. I was literally freaking out, and uh, but yeah, I don't know why. I don't know how we got on this. Can I tell you a story of? Of why I relate to you, of like you were like I'm just going through life as a normal person, never be special or whatever it might be. Yeah. Doug Collins basketball camp went there five years in a row. So Doug Collins is there, right? Coach of the Bulls, uh, yeah, and, and you know, famous coach. And he's like, I love you guys. You're all my family. We're all in the gym. And he's like, Who here? Uh, you know, who's been coming for this is their second year? Everyone kind of raises their hand. Who's been coming third? You know, three years. Uh, you know, a little less. Four years. Five years. It's me and like four other people. And he's like, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> you've been here forever. And Fred. And there's little Tommy. And he goes, Ah, and you. You've been. <laughs> and no clue who I was. I've been here five years. No here. clue who I was. And you. Go start my car. Yeah. <laughs> just. 
like it had never seen me before and i don't you know like and it was just the idea of like wow like i am i couldn't even stick out in that do you think that's why fans relate to you is that they feel like they feel like you could be them or you they yes. could be you yes and you know who like i learned that from was mick foley because when mick foley I, you know, just like everyone else, I was doing like fun backyard wrestling or whatever. And Mick Foley was on Raw and they showed his tapes of like him backyard wrestling. And then he was on TV and he was like the champion. And I was like, and Vince McMahon was always like, you got to be larger than life. That was kind of his thing. But I was always like, no, like I relate to Mick Foley. Yeah. I, I was just like him and now he's that. And like, I feel that's my message is just like, I'm just like you. See, you know, you want to know how I relate to Mick Foley? Like that's so crazy you say this. Yeah. I relate to Mick Foley because I feel like he was willing to go the next step with his body hmm. for the art. And I and like when I watched him go off the top of that cage and by was it the Undertaker threw him off the top of the cage yeah, on the Hell table? In cell. Hell in a cell. When I saw that I went, Ah, that's what I do every time I take a shot from somebody. <laughs> like every time they send shots to stage, that's my hell in a cell. Wow. Where I'm like I'm like it's and, and it's so, so interesting is I was like I was like, I see, I see his commitment to the fans. You know, that sounds crazy, and I feel like I wanted that as a fan. I wanted that person that would never turn it off for me. Right. I wanted to have that moment with David Tell where we got to drink together. I wanted that. I wanted him to buy me a shot and go, "Hey, man, great weekend." I wanted that. He did that. All I got to have that in my life, and I'll, you can't take that away from me. For as long as I live, my favorite comic ever, the guy that I looked up to more. Bought me a shot, stared me in the eyes after a weekend of work, did a tap, and he's like, great fucking weekend. Awesome. And you're like, and you're just like, fuck yeah. And then he quit drinking, and you're like, oh, maybe I should stop too. <laughs> the canary in the mine's singing, everybody. <laughs> the canary in the mine's taking a nap. We, maybe we should head out of the fucking, I think I have a fucking meeting. What, oh no, what, what time is it? You? I'm never making this fucking meeting. Oh. Uh, it's in 45 minutes. I'm fine. Okay. Um, so what, you, uh. You're dictating. You tell me what to do. What, um. Well, it's, we're coming up on two hours. I should probably Good wrap Lord. it up. <laughs> All right. Um, so what? What an easy two hours, by the way. What fucking Thank seamless, you. dude. Yeah. You're, well, it's because you're a legit podcaster and an interviewer and a fucking, like, you've kind of interviewed me. Like, well, I don't know if you realize that, but like, I feel like I've just unloaded to you. Uh, it was just a fun back and forth, I felt. Um, what's, uh, what, like, do you have a five-year plan? This? Yeah. yeah, I don't. I've never had like, uh, I don't know. This this is fun. I could do this for another f- fifteen years. I'd like like you know. I, I, it sounds stupid. Like I, I want to use wrestling to help me like not the comedy world, but like to get that comedy. My wife's coming in. Oh, okay. I don't know if we acknowledge it. Hi, I'm good. I know. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we're wrapping it up. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, so what were you saying? Like, I want to just find a bigger platform for comedy and wrestling as one. So, like, you know, like when I get to do this podcast, thank you very much, or like be on oh, Marin or you know on his TV show or, or you know uh, whatever the the stuff that I get to do. Uh, like, I'm grateful for that. I'm trying to like, I'd love to like bury into that world to bring that world back to wrestling to get some kind of wrestling comedy combo out there this sounds silly would this be a goal of yours uh to put on a would you be cool would you be interested in putting on a touring mashup of comedy wrestling see i do a tour let's this is the show i do at the fringe and yeah. I, and marty dross and i would do this tour where we watch shitty wrestling 
So it's like Mystery Science 3000 style. Yeah. Like we sit and we've, I've got it. We've done, I've done a hundred shows of these, you know, like yeah. I have the laptop, we watch it, uh, you know, we watch in front and it's projected on a, a screen and like it's, it's, it, for me, it's the perfect thing. It's wrestling, it's riffing, it's improving, it's back and forth with a partner. Uh, it's like the ultimate m- most fun show and there's no bumps and like I feel that's like that avenue and podcasting and all that that's my you know once I can't do it as much in the ring like I'm still involved in wrestling how long do you think you ever left in the ring like I think I could do uh, 50 I think yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was about to say that and I was like thinking of a pro athlete's career and I was like wait whole Hogan still fucking yeah. gets in there he yeah. looks good but you know who knows uh like how much I'd make from that, you know, like I'm just saying at a, at a higher caliber, Yeah, like I'm in a high caliber right now and I'm getting, you know, I get paid decent, but with everything else, it all kind of all works together. But that, I, so that show idea, like I'd like to do that show or some other crazy concept or even, uh, you know, um, like I, I love the idea of this, uh, like a, like a, a spoof of a stu- of like studios, like ni- 1970s studio wrestling, but like I don't even know if it's like a comedy show or oh, it's that would even be, like like with that there's just those one camera locked down one camera yeah, yeah, yeah. it's giant they're moving it around Fuck you know? it. God that and there's would just be like cool a row shit. of like little black kids that they like from the boys and girls club yeah. that they got in and the the announce the 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 eighty five year old announcer has the long like uh, Bob Barker microphone you know oh I would I would. I would I'd pay five dollars an episode to watch one of those. Yeah, I'm being serious. And if you could just if you could do almost an homage, like a comment, like what would be that's fucking such a good idea. I almost want to pull it out of the podcast. (laughs) Like it's, but if you did the smoky fucking one lockdown camera shot with the interviews with the with uh with what's his name fucking like uh, Gordon Sully, yeah Gordon Sully here with. And you and but you do, you do that and they're oh man that's a really good fucking idea. <laughs> and you like do it's that. A, I don't know if it's, it's like you do the whole show like that or you do a, 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 a just a comedy and then you see them like you know their lives maybe in the locker room and it's a scripted thing. I don't know. Like there's just so much weird stuff. But what like, would be cool would be a poorly produced one where sometimes the mics stay on through the commercials yeah. and, but you see old commercials like they stay on through the commercials and sometimes the camera's on and they're talking backstage and they're really having an argument and then like it would be cool it, that would be really yeah. fucking amazing there's something would, to it there's something to it there's something to that world of comedy and wrestling like mixing together like just not everyone just wants to start this awesome new wrestling program and it's happened there's like lucha underground is on the el rey network and you know tna is on pop and wwe and they're all just giving these new wrestling things that just look like wwe or extension like i just want to take the genre of wrestling and fucking mash it up i'll tell you right now there are there are probably i'm gonna guess the majority of people that are making money these in life are guys that would would pay to watch that if you showed me like a throwback, but you know, so you romanticize that that that, and I, I I just remember all like navy blues and blacks and dark reds, like like just with one lockdown smoky shot, and then the weird studio shot, and then the you know like Piper's Piper's Corner, Piper's Pit, mm-hmm. and like things like that, but but older, like I, and we romanticize about that, and if you could do something scripted that was that connected what I romanticized with with something better than I could have envisioned, mm. that's fucking money right there. Right. 
That would be great. Well, in a perfect world. <laughs> well, listen, if you're a producer and you listen to this podcast, yeah. reach out to Colt. He's got he's got his podcast. You want to promote your stuff real quick? ColtCavana.com is my website. In terms of comedy stuff, I, I do stuff on YouTube. I do a, I do a, I do a web series called Worst Promo Ever with Marty DeRosa where each week I, I wrestle – I'm on the road 150, 200 days a year. So, yeah. uh, so each week I wrestle different shows. And so like let's say uh, Friday I'm in Cleveland uh, – and so we, Marty and I will just go up behind our green screen and we'll do the worst promo ever. So I'll be like, okay, I'm in Cleveland. I know I'm wrestling Jack Sampson and uh, it's for AIW Wrestling and it's on a Friday. So that's all we know. We have four things and we just riff for 20 minutes. I cut it up to two minutes and it's me playing the dumb, stupid wrestler and him playing like the, the smarky announcer. And we play characters, but yeah. like instead of – I don't know if this is how it works in the wrestling world. They're like, hey, can you film a, a promo for us? And then I have to film one on YouTube being like, I'm coming to get you, Jock Sampson. You better believe it. I'm like, we don't have TV. It looks so cheesy. I hate doing it, and every promoter wants it. Yeah. So instead of doing that and hating my life for doing that, I'm going to do a comedy bit. But at the end of the day, I'm also promoting your show. Yeah. And I'm getting the word out there. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing my job. That's what you want. You want me to promote it. These guys, these promoters want me to promote yeah. it. So that's the goal of that. Uh, worst promo ever, uh, which is on my YouTube, but it's all through coldcommander.com. That new Howell show, if you're into that. I could fucking talk to you for another hour. <laughs> I wish I had this goddamn meeting. Yeah. I wish I could just call up and say. But you don't want to do a three hour five. No one's listening to that, are they? Are you shitting me? Really? Those are my most downloaded ones. The three. You the, go three hours and then they're like, that's what we're fucking looking fuck. for. Fuck yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I listen to every one Joe Rogan puts out. Mm. They're all fucking three you hours. Know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Todd Glass's podcast. Oh. Yeah. And, and you, Do you know Todd? Uh, he, we were, I was going to do it this week and he changed it I, oh. I, I met him i went to see him and i knew the owners and they're like hey do you want to meet todd i was like yes and then like but at first i was like god this is so long and then and then it's gotten to the point where i was like no wait i want this to it's be not as long, long enough as possible. yeah yeah that's but that's todd's personality too um i never even got to talk to you about the lawsuit which i'm probably sh- you sure you can't <laughs> talk about yeah, yeah thankfully <laughs> um i hope that all works itself out i hope that it doesn't it's not a pain in your ass um I, yeah i don't know it's life like it's a life tax i'm paying i guess yeah i yeah. guess so just Colt being Colt, man. Hey. <laughs> uh, what's my stuff? At Colt Cabana, Twitter and Instagram, too. At Colt Cabana. And you can't watch him on Periscope, but if you want, I will give you the recipe to his sandwich. It is uh, it is a six-inch mm-hmm. double chicken, yep. uh, both uh, both on one six-inch. So you double the chicken on six-inch. You dig out the center. You said something that I never heard before. What? You go, he gutted the, gutted the bread. Yeah. I never heard that terminology. Yeah. I liked you it. You gutted the bread, yeah. and then it was all fucking veggies like you loaded it up with veggies extra tomato extra pickles yes a one tiny thing of honey mustard and oregano and then when i eat it you didn't know this i take the top bread off really yeah so i eat it uh open-faced club sandwich style really yeah, yeah. get rid of those top carbs don't eat them i fucking so far far away from carbs right now except for wine does wine have carbs? I wouldn't know. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, I fucking I'm obsessed with no bread. That's I lost 22 pounds. Nice. No bread. Oh yeah, just that's... no bread, no pasta, no rice. Just fucking lean proteins, greens, shakes, uh, and then booze at night. Sometimes when I'm on the road. Uh, you know what helped me a lot? What I don't do you eat Quest bars? No. So good. Quest bars. Quest, Quest bars. I'm getting a bunch of them today. 18 grams of protein. It's like it has like maybe. So it has like 31 grams of carb, but then it has like 31 grams of carbs, but then it ha- it's all fibers and all like 
sugar alcohols, which means it only has three net carbs. Oh, nice. Yeah. A lot of farting. But <laughs> Quest bars. And the other one, if you do have bread, uh, if you have bread, like if you crave bread, because I crave bread, but luckily you I not. crave bread. There's a bread called P28. P28 bread, and it's protein bread. So like you're getting, yeah, it's like each gram, each uh, slice of bread has, two slices of bread has 28 grams of protein. So like I, even though there are carbs in it, yeah. I feel like I'm getting like, I'm offsetting it because I'm getting protein. P28, P28 foods. I'm getting it. Dude, thank you so much for doing yeah. this. I appreciate it. Have a good match tonight. Thank you. All the blessed. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.